This dude is making tea with a microwave. I can't. All right. Am I up? I'm up. Did you did you microwave your tea? Yes, I did. We're canceling you. Why? We're black. We don't microwave tea, sir. What? We boil water? That's right. Every time I bring up my favorite movie or song, y'all call my shit corny. You act like I don't have no taste and no flavor. I'm a Luddite or some bullshit like that. What kind of particular shit is that? It's the shit I like. That's what I like. That's my type of shit. You know? Why don't you know y'all just say something nice? Showtime. Welcome to the Say Something Nice podcast. Film, TV, and music news, discussions, and reviews from a multicultural point of view. In addition to our Say Something Nice challenge in which we challenge each other to say something nice about the best and worst in pop culture. Be sure to check us out at SSNpodcast.com and on all social media under the handle at SSNpodcast. Our show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Acast, TuneIn, and wherever else great podcasts can be found. Please rate us five stars on iTunes and Stitcher so that more people can find our show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Say Something Nice podcast. We're so grateful to have you here today. Today is Sunday, December the 16th, 2018, almost 19. As we're recording this, I'm here with Ken. Mm. Hi. And Ali. Yeah. All right. And let's go ahead and get started. We have a lot to cover. This is I'm fairly certain this is the last regular show of the year. Um, maybe, possibly, might do some capsule reviews to catch up with B.L. Street and Mary Poppins during the break. But otherwise, this will be the last time y'all will hear us this year. So um, we got to go ahead and get a whole lot of things covered. So first up... Get it things, off your chest, Brandon. Get it off your chest. First up, things that we've seen in this past week that are not um, about spiders or people who breathe underwater. Talk to fish. Right. He doesn't talk to fish. At least that's what he says. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I will start with Ken. Mm, this week, uh, what did I watch? Uh, it's, been a, it's not been a good week for me watching TV. I guess I watched um, Black Lightning. Okay. Which is, which was, which is okay, except for the mom getting on my damn nerves, acting like she's doing an audition for 12 years of slave. Like, they wow. need to... I'm like, this woman, you know, stalking somebody at his job at Waffle House is not going to bring your baby back. Stop it. Um, but maybe... Otherwise, maybe. Uh, I'm excited for the possibilities. Um, the show hasn't turned up quite the notch I want it to, but it's still good. Oh, I also watched the Crisis... No, not the Crisis, but Elseworlds crossover. Hold that uh, one. We'll do that one last together because like, we have to, that will lead us right into news as well. I'm trying to think. What else did I watch? Did I watch really anything else? What? Uh, uh, I really didn't watch a lot of TV this week. So, and the other stuff we were going to talk about later. So, All right. yeah, that's it for me. Okay, Ali. Yeah, I just thought about it too. And I'm, besides Black Lightning, um, hmm. I, I saw the outfit that Lightning's going to have. Um, Uncle Gamby snapped on that one, didn't he? 
Uh, he gave her a better version of Thunder's costume. It looks, it looks more, it looks more like Thunder's costume from the um, comics, really. Right. I I wonder what they were gonna do. I would have liked for Jen to have a yellow costume, but I guess it doesn't fit with their family motif. Maybe it's like, but every successive costume has gotten better. You know, because um, I agree because the black lightning costume still. Like it, it, it's time. It's time for him to come go in for something new. I mean, I don't need the neon lightning bolt symbol, you know, to light up for you. It's not you're not you're not a Krispy Kreme hot light nigga. Yeah, you're like <laughs> a carnival. You're like a carnival. It's starting to get on my nerves. I mean, the show still has the show to me. Still, like I enjoy it and I watch for what it is. It's still a little rough around the edges right now. Right. Um, I'm not enjoying this villain cutter that they introduced. Is that the white uh, woman? The black the black woman. woman with the knives. Oh, I haven't seen her yeah. yet. Oh, you're behind. Yeah, she's, um, she's from Britain. Oh. She's good. She's not bad, but at the same time, I felt like she could be more interesting in the way they're going. I like that they introduced the dude who played the Blue Ranger into the show, even though he feels like he's playing the same, a different version of the same character. David Yost? Yeah. yeah. No, not David Yost. Brandon, yeah. the new Blue Ranger from the new Power Rangers movie. Oh, 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 RJ. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> yeah. They introduced him into the show now. I was like, David, you're yeah. how old am I? <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, fuck. <laughs> you want yeah, to so- people? You want you want to people who call uh what uh, David Frank? What's da- uh, Frank? Jason what? David Frank. You call him GDF. Yeah. You you want them niggas? Yeah. <laughs> like I was at yes. Comic Con. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get to say J- see JDF. I'm like, what? Jason David Frank, the Red Ranger. Green. You want them motherfuckers. Green. Oh. Green, green and white. And the multi-co- <laughs> multicolored ranger. Because he, because he was the Red Turbo Ranger at one point as well. Oh. He must have came back and did a whole... Was he a different character or was he still Tommy? Brandon, there was a whole movie called Turbo, a Power Rangers movie. It came out in America. <laughs> yes, it, it did. Third, Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I saw it because that's what it had Aisha was. Um, she was the yellow ranger at that time. Yes, yes, and the little boy who's the blue ranger. He he had the girl from a, a Actually, child no, to a grown person. Done. No, Aisha had already gone. It was if she was she had already been replaced with Tanya. Oh, hmm. yeah, <laughs> she was she was already long gone. Oh, this uh, <laughs> Aisha was in the first Power Rangers movie. Then okay, never mind. They are already changed Rangers, but I decided to make a movie. Okay, never mind. My bad. All right. Yep. Yeah, so I'm going to catch up on Black Lightning now. Um, what else have you seen, Ali, before I get into my... Um, uh, I was trying to see... I was trying to look on on um, on Netflix to see if there was anything interesting over the I haven't the seen the watch. Sabrina Christmas special yet. I wanna, I'm going to watch it soon, of course. I've just been... I started oh, so there watching is? it, but I couldn't. Yeah. I didn't realize that there was one. Yeah, it come it came out this weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's okay. listed as like episode eleven, but it's like it's a little bit longer. Okay. Well, not really. No, it's not. It's 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 the length of a regular episode. Or like what? 50 but it something is the minutes. Christmas special. Hmm? Fifty something minutes. Fifty five minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, I I mean mm-hmm. I started watching it, but I got um distracted a little bit. So Right. 
Yeah, I was I as I was looking on you know Netflix randomly, I was like, hey, let me just look. You know, there's a part of Netflix I didn't realize this, but where I can just look for international stuff, I didn't realize that that was a thing. <laughs> so I went on this category that said international. And I just started looking at random stuff, and and I randomly started watching this show called The Protector, which is set in Istanbul of all places, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um. I don't have much to say on it other than the fact that it starts off one way and it just it goes completely sideways and to to my liking though it's it's a action-y sort of um thing unlikely hero turns you know and uh, has a lot of responsibility being thrusted upon him blah 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 beautiful woman yada 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 anyway but that's pretty much it um I can't really think of anything that I've else that I've seen in terms of on TV itself no that's pretty much it Maybe brand. Oh, oh, wait! I saw, <laughs> I saw a Titans episode. <laughs> okay, hold on, because we're going to um really quick. Everything, Let's... every everything we're going to talk about. Dran's like, hold on, we're going to yeah. talk about that later. Hold, hold on, on. Hold on. Uh, all right. Yeah, um, the, we did. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I didn't see that movie. Um, <laughs> first of all, my Blu-ray finally came for Popeye the Sailor, the nineteen forties volume one. So, backstory. There are 234 Popeye cartoons released by Paramount Pictures made between 1933 and 1957. Yes. Um, For a very long time, those have been broadcast on TNT, TBS, and the Cartoon Network, but they were never on home video because King Feature Syndicate, who owned the character, and Turner, who owned the cartoons, after a whole bunch of murders and purchases, they fought for years over over, the deal, like who got what amount of money. In 2007, they finally came up with this big sweeping deal that they were going to release all the Popeye cartoons, including the ones that King Features owned on DVD. They were going to restore them all, and they were doing them one set at a time. They only got through releasing the black and white Popeyes, which is like the first half of them, which is a lot of the ones people know anyways, like Goonland and um, A Date to Skate and things like that. Play over three volumes before the uh, stock market crashed 2008, and they stopped doing like DVD sets like that, and that made me kind of upset because I was really wanting to see them restore the first sets of color Popeyes because the versions we've seen on the Cartoon Network for a very long time have been like tinted red, and in these very ugly prints that they sort of kind of made for TV back when the TV was broadcast in color and in black and white. So they were tinted red, so they looked better on black and white TV. Mm-hmm. So finally, after a, another decade of sort of kind of languishing, they've actually, because the cartoons are starting to get older now, Warner Brothers has this initiative to restore everything they own to HD so they can still show it. So that's why if you watch Boomerang, they have HD copies of fucking Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? <laughs> Which is the most unnecessary expense I've ever... Well. <laughs> But so they have a, a have a HD Blu-ray um, out now of Popeye 1940s Volume One, which has the first fourteen color Popeye cartoons in the regular series, including a couple of my favorites I mentioned here before, like um, "We're on Our Way to Rio," "She Six Sailors," which is the one where Bluto dresses up like Superman with the S and the Superman music, uh, because Pop because Paramount made the Superman cartoons as well, so they had still had the license, so they just made a Popeye cartoon with Superman in it. Mm-hmm. Um, they look stupidly restored. 
they didn't do what Disney does to try to take all the grain out, but they took out all like the dirt and the dust and like the little like film flecks. Like it looks ridiculous. Like you can see every every great thing about the drawing and every mistake about the drawing as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like right there. But you've never seen them look as good. You've never seen like the colors look as vibrant and everything. Like like, and these are the good color Popeyes. After once they get to volume three, you start getting into the dreck of where it's just the basic the basic pattern of Popeye has olive, Popeye loses olive to Bluto, Popeye eats spinach, Popeye beats up Bluto. The end. Roll credits. But we haven't got quite gotten there yet. Like when they get to the 1950s cartoons, that's when I would recommend to stop buying them. <laughs> but until then, uh, I strongly recommend buying them. All right. Next up is Titans. So. I didn't realize I was four fucking episodes behind on Titans, so I had to watch four fucking episodes of Titans back to back. Um, and well, so the what I think so I saw was I saw seven. I thought I saw three. No, I saw seven, eight, nine, and ten. That's four. Um, seven is a silent, which I think is the worst episode of the season. Basically, they get captured in like an insane asylum and experimented on and sort of kind of their brains fucked with. And it basically leads them to like sort of kind of deal with all their fears and stuff like that. It's like a, your standard rote sort of like plot set up for that sort of an episode. And no, just it didn't really do much for me. I don't know. How, Ken, how'd you feel about that one? I'm sorry. I repeat what you said. Like I didn't. The, um, the uh, episode seven of Titans. Where they went to the insane asylum. I didn't mind that one as much. Um, I mean, it wasn't great. I mean, it, I won't say it was like the weak. It was just really dark and hard to see things. But yeah. I, I would say probably it was probably the le- less great episode. I also didn't really care for the one with Jason Todd after when they started going after the villain of the week. I felt. Uh, I like the Jason that, Todd one though. I I liked it up until that point because it just felt very much like. Like a stock episode of Gotham. It did feel like an episode of Gotham. I will admit that. (laughs) Yeah, so that's... It was kind of like... Right. But the main plot point of the episode seven was that they freed Rachel's mother from that insane asylum and that Mm -hmm. Dick Grayson burned his Robin suit. Because they're on this this long, slow tear to turn him into Nightwing. Episode eight though was fucking awesome. That in that episode is titled and features Donna Troy, who used to be Wonder Girl in this universe and has her power still. I was like, because <gasps> you know they have Hawk and Dove, but they don't have their powers. And I was so I was wondering if Donna Troy was gonna have hers. And lo and fucking behold, she got her power. She got the lasso. I was like, ain't this a bitch? How about that? <laughs> mm-hmm. But like, Lasso was animated. The Wonder Woman Lasso was animated in the movie. Yeah, and like they um, and like I like seeing her dick around her because he opens up. Because he's been very standoffish to everybody and sort of kind of like a like a like a little like pissy to everybody. But around her, he's like more like you know he's following her lead because they've known each other for so long, and you can tell that he respects her anyway. He doesn't respect a lot mm-hmm. of other people. And I, I love how he fucked up her mission. And she's like, here, I'm going to pretend like you beat me up too. I'm going to lay down here on this ground. You take this photograph. Take the fucking picture, dick. <laughs> so, Ali, is this the one that you saw? No, I saw the one after that. Okay, so you saw Hawk um, Hawk and Don, Hank and Don, which is the origin story of yep. um, 
of a Hank Hall and Don Hall, the original Hawk and Dove from the comics. And they made um, Don Hall, um, well, half black in this universe. And so in the original comics, Ali, if you didn't know, you know, I think I, I told you over the phone, I think, or over, I think I told you over text, but basically in the original comics, Hank Hall and Don Hall are Hawk and Dove until the crisis on infinite earths where Don Hall dies. Mm-hmm. And then eventually they get Don Granger to become the new Dove. Yeah. In, in this episode, you have Hawk and Dove and then there's this terrible fucking car crash where Hank loses his brother and Don loses his, her mother. And they mm-hmm. end up in counseling love, the guy. I love that they kept her mother British. Yeah. But like, I liked the episode a lot even though it was dark as fuck. The whole thing mm-hmm. about Hank being sexually assaulted when he was a child and everything. I was like, I, I, I knew that Jeff Johnson wrote it. I was like, Jeff, we need to pull up. Pull up, Jeff. Pull up. Pull Next scene, please. Next scene, please. I was, I was like, people watching this are going to be super triggered. Close the door, close the door, close the door, close the door. <laughs> yeah. I was like, whoa. 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 In fact, I, love- for a second, I forgot I was watching Titans for a second there. I love the fact, wow. I love the <laughs> fact that it's kind of like the Titans is basically a show about to, uh, teens dealing with like their trauma. Right. Like people basically dealing with teenage trauma as children. And that's why they're superheroes. I mean, which most superheroes are usually inspired by some type of trauma, which we'll discuss about somebody else's later. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but th- it's like a dark take on it. And I'm kind of enjoying it for that. Um, you know, because every, almost everybody in the Titans has like uh, comes from a really messed up family, so it's like a um, it, Titans is like a family group home. Yeah, somewhat kind of reminiscent of a certain lightning based family. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like the, the extreme. except that lightning based family and simply lightning based family, their their show is in danger. No, not that hmm? lightning based family, Ali. The one who's getting a movie oh. in April. That lightning based family. Where all the, kids, uh, all the kids have fucked Shazikis. up origins. Yeah, all the kids have fucked up origins, but they're like trying to make it work for you, for each other. Did you, mm. did you did you read? Speaking of which, is Titans. You, oh, guys, guys, can did you ever get a chance to read Shazam number one? Yeah, I read it. Yeah, Mary Mary Bromfield has the most fucked up origin. <laughs> that poor child. She ran, ran from. She had to be no older than nine. Ran away from home because her parents were beating her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like my God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, what were you about to say? Somebody's about to say something right quick. I was going to, I was going to ask is, um, because Titans is on the DC streaming yes. um, network, it's not, it's not in any danger, right? So they can, they don't necessarily have to worry too much about viewership and that sort of thing. No, they have to worry oh, yes, about viewership, do. but they are, they are renewed for season two though. They are already renewed for it, The show's getting a lot of great reviews. Yeah. When I, but wait a minute, let me tell you about this review I read on like, uh, comic book resources today because they were talking about the differences between Trigon or I'm still going to call him Trigon, the nigga Trigon to me, Trigon. Anyway, the differences between him and his comic counterpart and how he looks different in the show, but he kind of shows up, I guess, in the show in a disguise. But then they talk about how he looked like they showed his like true form, I guess, when they were talking, Starfire was discussing him on the ship and they had that, that um, hologram of him and they called that nigga thick. <laughs> What? what? <laughs> they said he is thick. T H I C C in italics. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm like, 
who wrote this? <sighs> what, what size queen wrote this article? My God. But yeah, speaking of that. Well, uh, you know, well, you know it's, a, it's a popular phrase now, so everyone's using it. So now we can't even, now we can't even uh, um, associate anymore. <laughs> you know when, <laughs> when folks make a, make a me more like a, like a phrase like that, they only have like what, a couple of months before it gets taken over? Right. Yep. And essentially, essentially just Columbus by somebody else. So, yep. And then episode ten is Coriander. So at the end of Donald Troy episode, Rachel tries to help uh, Corey get her memory back. Which point she gets him back, but they're all scrambled. So she tries to kill Rachel. And then eventually, when she leaves, she goes and finds her ship. And I was like, Oh, this is where the Netflix money kicked in, huh? Because I was like, This is a lot of money for Titans. <laughs> Yeah, she got a whole spaceship. They built a whole set for it. So apparently the, she... The spaceship called the Exposition, where yeah. I explain my origin. <laughs> so she explained that she had been sent to Earth to stop Rachel from allowing her father to cross over into this realm because once she does that, she's going to destroy... He's going to destroy Earth and then every other planet, including hers. But of course, unfortunately, like... They set. They have some sort of setup. Like the mom is in on the whole the whole game, and somehow they made Garth sick to the point where Rachel can't heal him. So the mom's like, "You need to call your father. He can heal him." So Rachel brings her father in from the netherworld, who heals Garth, and now they're about to cause some sort of bullshit. They turn the whole entire house invisible, some sort of portal, but and only Dick can enter. And so episode. So everybody has seen the promo for episode ten, right? The whole. Batman is killing everybody. We have to stop him and shut him down. That that's gonna turn to be a, like a dream sequence or like an alternate reality, right? That's the what? only thing that makes logical sense. Hmm. You guys would know better than me. Repeat that, Brandon. Like it's got. It's got the, um, I had to look up the guy who called called Trigon Thick real quick. Oh God! Um, so, ep- <laughs> the episode, the episode eleven, like the finale promo, is about Robin versus Batman. Batman apparently has killed the Joker. He's killed the Riddler. He's killed all of his villains. They're all dead, and he's on mm-hmm. the like the um, being hunted down by the government and stuff and everything. And I'm like, this has to be a dream sequence, right? Or like some some sort of trigon triggered uh, alternate reality, because. They jump like it's like they jump storylines. <laughs> because I I feel like it's all a it's got to be a fake out anyway. But I know I saw people online because like there are people who like I follow and stuff who are angry at Titans for even existing, who sort of kind of don't watch it, but they use the promos to just talk shit about it. But I mean that's how the internet works, right? People don't watch shit; they just make fun of what they see for promos and things. That's how mm-hmm. that Mary J. Blige um, Hillary Clinton thing happened. When the officer stops you. Um, but yeah, like, if you're following the show, like, I'm assuming that it has to be an alternate reality because, like, I mean, Batman may have gone far. He's not gone that fucking far. That, and they have other pressing matters to worry about than fucking mm-hmm. Batman. <laughs> the whole world is about to end. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm assuming more people will see it. What do you think about the acting, though? I like everybody except for... Uh, well, Brendan Thwaites is getting better as Robin. His problem is that he's trying to hide an accent. And that always fucks up somebody's acting, I noticed. Everybody else is great. Mm-hmm. I like their acting. Um, 
I love Beast Boy being like a chatty little little kid on the um, train when um, him and Corey on the train. And Corey's like, this little, if this little nigga says one more thing, I'm going to punch him in his face. He's like, you want to play a game? Play on your phone. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> um, and what else? All right, so now we can talk about the Arrowverse crossover, which was Elseworlds, which they wanted to call Identity Crisis, but they but they grew sense and decided not to call it that. I mean... <laughs> but, Brandon, explain why. Well, so, in Identity Crisis is the name of Well, a, explain, what Elsewhere, explain what Elseworlds is first. Well, Elseworlds... In the, actually, actually, I've got, a def, I've got an Elseworlds definition right here in front of me from a comic I just purchased. Oh, wait a minute. In Elseworlds, heroes are taken from their usual settings and put into strange times and places, some that have existed or might have existed, and others that can't, couldn't, or shouldn't exist. This is one of them. Okay, good. Yes. And Identity Crisis is not that. It was a 2004 miniseries by Brett Metzler, is his name, and Rags Morales. Who's the artist? Brad, Mel- Brad Meltzer. Brad Meltzer. Where and Rags Morales. Brad Meltzer is like a New York Times award-winning uh, novelist um, and shit. Novelist who who was big in the comic books. Um, and the DC brought him in to write this cross for. Oh, yeah. He also wrote a few other comics. I met him once. He's a pretty nice guy. I think he signed my copy. Um, but Identity Crisis and no, and to new fault, no fault of Brad Meltzer. Um, Basically, the story is about the premise of the story is um, Ralph God, Dibney's wife I, is murdered. Yeah, Ralph, uh, Sue Dibney. One yeah. of the and the, and the idea is like who benefits when um, you know when a superhero's family member dies, right? What's the answer? Everybody else's family. Um, Sue Dibney was killed by the Adams wife, who uh, names escapes me. Jean right? Loring. Jane, Jean, Loring, all right, because she was jealous that she had the life that she she felt she should have had. Right. Um, and basically that caused, you know, Adam to come racing back to her to try to make sure she's, you know, love, you know, taken care of and safe. And the Adam finally realizes, you know, that his wife did it. But it in, in the course of this mystery, they realize all this dirt about all these other heroes, about, you know, how can like how can Superman have you know super hearing and all these super senses? But all this dirt still goes down, and they say people hear what they want to hear. Right. You know, it was kind of very much a darkening of superheroes, and people felt like it, it was responsible for making comics a little darker and more cynical. And the idea that people equate realism with violence, yeah. and destruction, and terror, and you know, anxiety. One of the key when things. comics are supposed to be, yeah, and when comics are supposed to be an escape. Yeah. One of the from key, such thing. One of the key things they did too is that um, in in um. Metzler's story, Doctor Light, who was a supervillain, he was a rapist as well, and he actually had raped Sue Dibney, which was mm-hmm. like you know this whole women refrigerator sort of thing as well. And Zatanna had scrambled his brain to make him uh, docile, docile, and also had scrambled Batman to make him forget. Yes, because Batman was like, "What the fuck did you do?" Yeah, because you know, um, and and like the same, they like made him docile, and they made him a pretend villain for the Titans, right? Pretty much like a training villain. Um, and then, but go ahead. No, no, no. There's a lot. I didn't. I didn't like. There's a lot we could get. You know, talk about. But I mean, the the story could use some refinement to be less jarring and less like some of that stuff doesn't didn't it need to rape. 
Yeah. yeah you really didn't need to write. Uh, but I mean, it's what I expect when like, it was an age when people like read comics and people talk about, oh, comics, you know, they're all, all funny and kitty books and blah, blah, blah. And they can't tackle serious subjects. And it almost like people describe a dinner crisis sometimes as coming off as, and we probably need to get off this tangent, but describing what a 13 year old's idea of comics, what realistic comics should be instead of the more <laughs> adult version. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so okay. the Ellsworth crossover is not that though. Basically, it's more. It's, what it really is is a setup for next year's crossover, which is Crisis on Infinite Earths. Which hold for that. Um, in Elseworlds, the Monitor, who is a cosmic being who basically oversees like the different the multiverse, he's testing out different planet, different Earths in the multiverse to see whose heroes are worthy to stop to help fight in the upcoming crisis. So he's going from Earth to Earth and altering altering their realities to see how they stand up to the test. He mm-hmm. already had gone to Earth 90, which is the Earth of the 1990s Flash, and fucked up everything and killed everybody off, except for the Flash, who's still played by John Wesley Ship in that 1990s-style outfit. And so he comes to um, Earth 1 eventually. But before he does that, the Monitor, who's played by LaMonica Garnett... LaMonica. With um with a the, guy. Yeah, a guy with um some um um black glued on ridges on his head. <laughs> uh, Come on. Somebody called him cosmic um um cosmic um cornrows. Cornrows. Cosmic cornrows. Yeah, cosmic cornrows. <laughs> That's the name of the episode, cosmic cornrows. <laughs> uh, and so he shows up and he gives like um this um um Dr. Jim Dugan or John John Dugan. Deegan, John Deegan is his name. Um, he gives him, who's Dr. Destiny in the comics, gives him this book of destiny, and he uses it to react reality because he wants to be a superhero, basically, because he's been jealous of them. But he fucks it up. He doesn't know what he's doing. So he, what he is with doing is he makes Barry Allen, Oliver Queen, and Oliver Queen, Barry Allen. And so they eventually like meet up and try to figure out if it's some sort of fri- freaky Friday or a um, quantum leap thing. And it's like, it's funny because, like, you know, like, we got, uh, Oliver's like, we got to switch back, you know, and Barry's like, what's wrong with that? I've enjoyed being the Green Arrow so far. And he mentions, I don't know, this is weird. I woke up next to Iris. He's like, you woke up next to Iris? We got to fix this right now. <laughs> so they go to Earth 1 to get uh, Supergirl's help because Supergirl might remember them as they were, as she does. And we also, there, we re-meet, um, Tyler Hecklin's Superman, and we meet um, Elizabeth Tulock's um, Lois Lane for the first time. And people mm. told me that she can't act. I thought she was great. She uh, People thought she was just dry, and she doesn't look good in still shots. She gives you a little bit of skeletal red cross. I mean, red skull. Her mouth, like, she, she like she holds her mouth in strange ways, but, like, I like her, like, energy. <laughs> I did, too, and I liked when she said, yes, dear, or something like that. <laughs> I, I mean... I didn't think she was bad, but, but yeah, some people thought like, oh my God, they made Amy Adams look fresh. Lord Jesus. Um, but yeah, so they, uh, so Superman goes back with them to Earth One and um, Deegan sends Amazo to fight them. Amazo mm-hmm. is being a robot who can absor- who can duplicate powers. And so the four of them showing up, Superman, Supergirl, Flash, and Arrow was like a bad idea because now this you got an unstoppable fucking robot who kicked Superman's ass all across town. But like it was like a really great fight, especially for their TV budget. And um, 
They learn that John Deegan lives in Gotham, so they go to Gotham, where they end up meeting Katie Kane, who, of course, is also a Batwoman. She's played by Ruby Rose, who people told me that she can't act. She's fine as, as Kate Kane. When she became Batwoman had to do that voice, I was like, oh, oh, you're <laughs> in trouble here. <laughs> I didn't think she, she wasn't, really wasn't that great of a Kate Kane. I thought she, me, was... she gave me She gave me a woman version of Bruce Wayne, not Kate Kane. No, that's a good point. I mean, that's that's probably also what they told her to do, like as far as like how how they want her to play it. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because uh, when Kara met her, she's like, "I'm Bruce's cousin." And she's like, "Cousin? Hmm, that makes sense." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they end up going to Arkham Asylum to try to find Doctor Deegan and, and end up accidentally freeing all of the supervillains who live who were in Arkham Asylum. So all the Batman villains are in there. Mm-hmm. And they all get freed, including um, Mr. Freeze's wife, Nora, who ends up fighting Killer Frost. Mm-hmm. And then um, Deegan realizes, because they try to keep that book from him, but he got the book back. He realized he wasn't... Um, they, 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 no, he, they got the book. And then the minor showed up and took it back from them and gave it back to Deegan and said, now think big. And so mm-hmm. he makes himself Superman instead and makes everybody else his um, lackeys and makes Barry and Oliver into, vil- into villains, the Trigger tw- Twins, who are DC Western characters mm-hmm. from back in the day. And so in this universe, Cisco is evil, Killer Frost works, and um, Alex from Supergirl works for Superman, and Kara, I guess because she's from Earth-38, he can't um, modify her, but he can capture her and put her in like um in the um the flash's um private uh prison <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which we found out had actually has hidden bathrooms in the in the cells people were asking about that how did they go to the bathroom oh <laughs> uh, but supergirl appeals to alex by because like alex on earth one apparently is in deep in the closet and she's like, I know who you really are. You don't have to hide who you are from people. You should be free and everything. As it gets Alex on her side. And so they end up um, be, getting free. And they go to Earth-1 and get Superman, who's at the Fortress of Solitude. But it, they, they go get Evil Cisco because he can um, vibe them into Earth-1. to Earth So it's Evil Cisco, Barry, Oliver, and Kara. Who go, Barry and Oliver, they don't get Kara because Kara has to free herself. They go to Earth-1 to the Fortress of Solitude where Superman and Lois are having a nice um, gr- um, grilled um, dinner together. <laughs> Get Superman to come over to Earth-1 to go start punching shit out with the um, evil Superman, which all these effects were really well done. Like Usually when they have like a, like a um, clone meets clone episode of a TV show, I can always see the line. But they did a, re- they did a really good job on this show of not having the line show up. Whoever they got to be the body double was like a good match and everything. I thought oh, that was really well done. But it goes without saying that they go, they fix everything. They did some references to the upcoming crisis by having Supergirl and the Flash try to run around the world, just try to stop time and slow it or slow it down. Because of course, spoiler alert for those who have never read Crisis on Infinite Earths, but it's kind of important to know, uh, Supergirl and the Flash both die in the comic which is why Supergirl doesn't appear in comics after that for, like, I think another 20 years. And The Flash becomes Wally West. Not 20 years. 
is 86, and then she came back as 18 years. She came back in 04. The real okay, you're ta- you're ta- okay, the real Yeah, Supergirl. Cars yes, or yes, Supergirl. Yes. They had little alternate versions over the years, but actual Supergirl, Superman's actual blood cousin didn't come back to 2004. Mm-hmm. And the Flash was Wally West up until 2004 as well. Yeah, which sucks. Uh, yeah. Because um, yeah, I, I, I'm the, of the generation that grew up with Wally West as my Flash. Yeah. A lot so of people they feel that way. Back- and they still, in the comics, they often write Barry like Wally. Yeah. And so it's it's like, you know, it's like you don't even know how to write this character now. And, and I see why, because even like in, when you watch the uh, the animated cartoons, most of the times the writers, even though it's supposed to be Barry, he's written like Wally. And that's because Wally's characterization fits so well against the, uh, the group of the other hero. Right. Like Barry's a, a, a forensic scientist. Whereas Wally was a fun-loving kid who had superpowers. Right. Um, and he plays the role of the jokester. And he has more, a, a, like, a, like a lot of heart, a lot of humility. He brings levity to the situation against the other heroes. And they don't know how to you do that with Barry. Or they don't have another character they can do that with. So, like, the Flash is often written as Wally instead of Barry. Yep. Wait, so, wait, wait. Which is so annoying. Is that is that difficult to write him like he's supposed to be written? Or... It, it the thing is he it's not difficult it's that people are used to the flash being a certain way because that's where most of the people who grew up with the flash are probably used to now yeah like most like most people didn't grow like now who are reading comics and write comics are probably into them they grew up with wally as their flash they didn't grow up with barry as their flash. right so there's a is there's a disconnect there and even and in a lot of media like i said wally is kind of cemented as a certain personality type with the other personalities on how he gels in the Justice League. I mean, look at even, even in the movie, it's supposed to like when they had Barry. Um, and, but look how Barry, he was, the, he was the kid. You know what I'm saying? They're still doing him as a kid instead of the serious kind of police forensic scientist, which you can do that with the like kind of nerdy forensic scientist, but they, you know, like, that doesn't seem to fit like a speedster, even though I think it easily could, you know? Maybe maybe the way to fix that, if there if people are wanting to fix that, is just have just have more than one flash, and then fix one of them to be the proper the proper version, the proper Barry, and then have the other one be the proper Wally, and then finish it like that. Just they have both of them in the comics. People still write them wrong. Yep. Wait. So when? So when wait in the in more. Um, in more recent comic books, when you have Barry and Wally in the same in the same comic book, mm-hmm. do they still write them wrong? Yeah. No. In in Flash's own comic, here they're they like the guy who's writing uh, the Flash comic right now. Currently is uh, Joshua Williamson. He's doing a great job. Of a, he did a great job of establishing Barry, giving him his own personality and faults and everything like that. They've done a great job and writing how he's different. And they've even, like, I don't want to go into it too much because I feel like we're going off on too much of a tangent. But um, certain writers know how to write them different. But yeah. in a lot of contexts, they're not because of the way things have kind of been established yeah, it's and when, what they're used to. It's when they bring them into other people's comments, when they make guest appearances where the problem comes in, usually. Yeah, or anything nice. with Justice League. Yeah. Okay. Which, which, which that's where most people, like, know the Flash from. Right. So yeah, so like they saved the day and everything, and then like part of why they saved the day is because Oliver goes to the monitor and uh, basically like because Superman had read the book 
uh, of Destiny and saw that Superman, Supergirl, and the Flash die trying to save the Earth. And Oliver goes to the monitor to beg for, like, so he's made some sort of a deal that he doesn't tell the others with the monitor that'll turn up next year. I assume he's going to die in their place because they'll cancel the arrow. I assume that's what's going to happen or end it. Because I know everybody complains about all of them are right, tired of being on these shows. They like doing the shows, but they don't like working like nine months a year. <laughs> oh. Um, on on pro on you, like you know what I, do people know what they're signing up for whenever they sign that contract? <laughs> sometimes they don't because I, I I remember because um Grant Gustin was on the Nerds before all this stuff with Chris Hartwick had happened. He was he sounded like he was dead tired, like he had been no no pun intended running a marathon for five years. Mm-hmm. Because they because oh, yeah. like most think, shows, I mean, yeah. You know, you're say, trying to, I mean, obviously you're trying to make money, so you yeah. don't really care sometimes. But I'm just like, I don't think half these people know what they're signing up for. Because in his case, you know, his show is The Flash, and he's in like he in certain seasons, he was in almost every scene. So he didn't have as many like off days as some like people who are the stars of their own shows get. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can see how they could be tired. I mean, like, but I mean, if they can find a way maybe to reduce the episode count a little bit. And keep it going. I hope that's what they can do. But you know, don't wear them out. My goodness, though. Um, and when was that? Everything with the crossover. Um, Lois Lane showed up with that so sonic hammer, and she it. and she did work. I was like, yes, Lois. Because <laughs> that's that's what, that's what that's what Clark was like, honey. And Lois was like, yes, dear. <laughs> I brought back up because she showed up with um, Brainiac Five and the Martian Manhunter to um, try to kick. Um, Evil Superman's ass, <clears throat> but yeah. So that's the whole thing. Um, was there a gratuitous win to make sure that everybody's hair was flowing? Like yes, of course. The there always is in these programs, all of the time. Okay. Um, you should watch it, Ali. It's on the CW app now. It has its own little section now, so you can watch all three. It's only three episodes this year. They didn't do Legends. And they didn't do what they did with um, Crisis on Earth X, where it was one big special they cut up into four parts. This one is actually an episode of The Flash, an episode of Arrow, and an episode of Supergirl. It's done like the old-fashioned way, like they used to do it, basically. I see. Because they're saving money for Crisis on Infinite Earths. <laughs> hmm. All right, so let's go ahead on to news. All right, so first up in news, we are talking about the um, CW doing Crisis on Infinite Earths for fall 2019's crossover. Um, mm-hmm. Superman the movie turned 40 yesterday on the 15th. It's the 40th anniversary of Richard Donner's, you know, groundbreaking superhero movie star Christopher Reeve and uh, Margot Kidder, which the crossover paid a lot of homage to. They even found Lois Lane's old dress in the mothballs or made a similar version of it to put on Bitsy Tulak as she was sit chilling at the uh, Fortress of Salt while Superman was burning the baked potatoes. Uh, but yeah, they had screenings over across the last couple of years. I couldn't make any of them, but they were showing Superman the movie in theaters again for his 40th anniversary through um, Fathom Events. Mm-hmm. 
Um, next up, and I want y'all to talk about this, and I'll jump back in. I got to go run and get some tea right quick. But um, Paramount Pictures put out the first teaser trailer for their upcoming live-action animation adaptation of Sonic the Hedgehog, and the internet was not having it. <laughs> so Ali, Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, I would just say this to start off. Why is Sonic the Hedgehog giving us thighs and legs in these promo pictures? <laughs> Are you in the furries? I am not in the furries. He's catchphrase. Sure? His catchphrase is gotta go fast. So um, you saying he's thick, huh? He is. I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Help. No, no, I, I know. I think he's. No, he's giving us calves and 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 defined um, quads, and it's. it's I little, said thighs creepy. and legs, bitch. <laughs> little, it's a little creepy. It's Why a little, is little this creepy. happening? Where are the rubber? Where's the rubber hose? <laughs> I don't, I didn't expect that to happen. I, I will tell you, I, when I saw that first, when I saw the promo um, um, picture, Brandon, you should explain what the promo picture actually shows. Uh, yeah, for those who what is it? in the future. Um, so it's a, just a silhouette of Sonic the Hedgehog, but you can see like the outline of his body. And for those who know Sonic from the games, you know what he looks like. Just imagine that, but with defined arms and, def- and defined legs with, for his size, fairly large leg muscles. Right, and then there was another promo of basically Sonic. Who he's he's sitting on top of the Golden Gate Bridge. That was concept art, the, where he's sitting on the Golden Gate Bridge and he's like taking a photo from like his from his midsection with a camera, and you can see legs popping mm-hmm. out. That's yeah. concept art. That's not a, right. that's not something they post right. that released to the public. Somebody who worked at the studio who but, should, have, should have lost their job took a picture on the iPhone and shared it on the internet. <laughs> Here's, here's the problem, though, because that the it, the body still matches the silhouette you saw. Yeah, on yeah, the first promo. But so, Ali was like, Ali was like, "Where's that camera?" Yeah, I was like, "Why? What a weird camera angle to shoot from! Like, why is he? Who puts their camera down there? That's, I mean, hmm. mm. nasty people. <laughs> Stop it." So uh, yeah, I I don't know what they're going for, but um, when when I hear animated, when I hear live action Sonic, um, I don't expect to see, I don't expect Sonic to be a cross between a furry and Usain Bolt. I, what you want to look more like Pikachu, Detective Pikachu? <laughs> I do not. I told you know the funny thing is I told Brandon because Brandon when I when Detective Pikachu the trailer came out and I told Brandon. Pikachu is too furry. Like, you need to tone down the fur some. But I was like, no, it's people like it furry because that's how cute he is. Well, Brandon, touche. Because here you go. Here is Sonic the Hedgehog. Got you got me back, my proxy. Ass, hairy ass, yeah. Yeah. Here he is with hairy ass quads and calves. So, how do you like it? Why are you like this? Shit. At least... At least my Pikachu is 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 shape and size wise accurate to the to its origin. Your your my Sonic's been eating your on Sonic HGH. 
and doing yeah. and doing you, the leg press. <laughs> Yeah, your Sonic's been heating up every every time. So your Sonic come from the gym. So one of his friends is 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 um you know taking a needle to his ass in the in the locker room. So yeah, I'm hanging up. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic is definitely shooting up. Lord Jesus. Um, next up, the um well, award season is in full swing. The SAG Awards nominees were announced, the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Um, and they're playing music in my ear. Yeah. Can't stand these autoplay things. Um, people are kind of upset, though, about these because um, Bial Street was shut out. I believe Widows were shut out as well. Um, and Black Panther didn't receive any individual nominations. Mm-hmm. But Green Book and Black Klansman did. People are kind of upset about that. But they did have for like, you know, when they give like the award for outstanding performance by a whole cast, the nominees are A Star is Born, Crazy Rich Asians, Bohemian mm-hmm. Rhapsody, Black Panther, and Black Klansman. So hopefully Black Panther will win an award for everybody. Which I could see happening. All right. <clears throat> uh, the Critics' Choice Awards nominees, um, Black Panther has 12 nominations. Mm. I mean, people, yep. pe- this is, they, listen, Wakanda Forever was not just a catchphrase. Um, they are nominated for Best well, Picture. Well, I mean, you, we expected this, right? <laughs> I, I, we actually didn't. Um, <laughs> we didn't? No, uh, we thought the white folks would be, oh, that's cute, this little Negro picture. Um, that's a cute popcorn movie. Um, it's not winning shit, but here we are. <laughs> okay. uh, it's nominated for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor for Michael B. Jordan, Best Acting Ensemble, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Best Production Design, Best Costume Design, Best Hair and Makeup, Best Visual Effects, Best Best Action Movie, Best Song, All the Stars by Kendrick Lamar and SZA, and Best Score. I mean, (laughs) it's doing things. Mm. Interesting. Um, Lakeith Stanfield is nominated for Best Actor for Sorry to Bother You. Mm. Hmm. Amanda Stenberg is nominated for Best Young Actor or Actress for The Hate You Give. So, I mean, everybody's, you know, they're getting their recognition in one way or another this award season, which is good. Let me see what else. Mahershala Ali is nominated for Best um, Supporting Actor for Green Book. As he should be. Yes, indeed. Have you seen it yet? I have not seen it yet, unfortunately. I saw two movies yesterday back to back, and not of them was Green Book, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Panther has also been named Best Film by the African American Critics Association. African American Film Critics Association, my bad. So basically, with that um, award circle, they give out who's already won versus tell you who the, nom- who the nominees were. So for them, their best film was Black Panther. Best director was Ryan Coogler. Best screenplay was Black Klansman. 
Best Actor was John David Washington for Black Klansman. Best Actress was Regina Hall for Support the Girls. Best Supporting Actor was Russell Hornsby for The Hate You Give, who should be getting more awards recognition for that great role he did. Best Supporting Actress was Regina King for Beyond Street Could Talk. Best Breakout Performance was Amanda Stenberg for The Hate You Give. Best Animated Film, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Best Independent Film, If Beyond Street Could Talk. Best Foreign Film, Roma. Best Documentary, Quincy. Best Song, All the Stars. Best New Media, Red Table Talk. <laughs> Why is that funny? Like, I didn't expect... I better it. give her a... I didn't expect it to win awards, to or, or like like a film critics association. I didn't know they gave awards like that, but like, yeah, like I guess they're starting to. I guess they are. Best TV drama, Queen Sugar. Per- Best TV comedy, Insecure. Hmm. hmm. So they're a film critics association, but they give out TV. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Jordan Peele's new movie, Us, starring Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke. That's Nakia and M'Baku from Black Panther, y'all. And Anna Diop is in it as well. And um, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. Um, Everybody want to be in this movie, huh? Mm -hmm. Um, They put out the first teaser poster, which is of a black person with, um, a black woman with um, some scissors and a weird-looking glove on. Lord knows what the fuck that um, Jordan Peele got us into. A teaser trailer comes out on Christmas Day. I will not be watching it. Jordan, you got my, y'all got my money already. I don't want to see shit. I will see y'all on March the 15th. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? I'm tempted to do the same thing because <laughs> I have to admit, the Get Out trailer... <laughs> it, once the you watch the trailer. movie, the trailer is trash, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, the trailer was trash. I was like... This is this is not how, this is not how you sell this picture. No, it's not. The, it's not the tricking part. The, you're supposed to trick people, but like, it's not. I would not have cut the trailer that way. Maybe he was afraid that if he. Well, I mean, you don't have to reveal the actual what's going on, but isn't there another way to cut this trailer so that way it doesn't? <laughs> well, I mean, we'll, I don't we'll, know because we'll, a lot of people. I remember before before the movie before the movie started getting buzzed. They, they were they were it clowning released, it. A lot of people. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of people weren't weren't actually wanting to go see the movie, and I was like, "Oh, that's not that's not cool." Like shit. And then you, you see even, it, you give it, him a chance, and it blew off the door. And then you see, it and you're just like, "Yeah," and then you're just like, "Holy crap! I need to go see this again." And again, I saw it three times in the theater. What? You did? Yeah, I did. Yes. Okay, I saw it twice in one day, actually. Hmm. <laughs> Why are you judging me? I, I really like seeing it with people because I wanted to hear like the screams and the claps and stuff. How are you going to hear it when, when you all here being extra? I'm being quiet <laughs> and listening, whore. Jesus. <laughs> um, so, next story. Every year, the National Film Registry picks a certain number of movies that they basically make as part of the protected, you know, government, um, I don't know what you call it, relics or whatever. 
that they deem culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant to the national the nation's film heritage. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, induct them, so they they're like by law have to be preserved forever. So this year's pick for the 30th anniversary of the um uh, the National Film Registry's um listings, they have picked 25 movies. I won't read all 25, just the ones that are sort of kind of of interest to us. Um, they include The Shining. Yeah, I've seen The Shining, right? I very famously saw it for the yes. first time during while I was recording the show, and Ken clowned me for being for being afraid of it. <laughs> I don't know if he remembers that. <laughs> I do, because I'm talking about your big old behind screaming at the shine. <laughs> um, broke back mountain, a lot of sheep, spitting on hands and fucking people. Um, Eve's Bayou, Brandon. <laughs> Brandon, Brandon, Brandon. Is that not what he Ken, did in really, the picture? Ken, are we really, really Ken? We're just going to let him just go off Is like that this? not what happened in the movie? What? I don't know where it is. <laughs> Ken. <laughs> Eve's Bayou by Cassie Lemon starring Journey Smollett is on the list. That's good. Mm. Cinderella, mm. Walt Disney's comeback movie from 1950 is on the list. Jurassic Park, the first movie Ali saw in an actual movie theater, is on the list. <laughs> I remember stuff. Uh, you remember shit like this. Smoke Signals uh, from 98, star, um, which is made by Native Americans and star Native Americans with Adam Beach in it. We saw that in school. It's on the list. My Fair Lady from 1964 is on the list. John loves that movie. I That movie's like about an hour too long for me. Monterey Pop from 68, which shows this is Otis's last concert, but one of one like his most famous concert, Otis Redding's mm. most famous concert, is part of that movie. Um, Something Good Negro Kiss, which is just like a reel of two black people kissing that was filmed in 1898, which is considered the first time you've ever seen black people filmed being intimate. So that's why they're preserving it. Mm. Yeah, we we do that too. Wow. Um, so as we already know, um, Netflix has already canceled Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. And people were like, no, no sweat. They'll just put it on Disney Plus or on Hulu. Not so fast, Ombres. Yep. Let's look at the let's look at the, the, the fine print. Yeah. According to the contract that Netflix has with the with um Marvel over these shows, um, they cannot reuse these characters on any other service or platform in like I guess in TV, I don't know about if film is included as well, for two years after the cancellation of the program on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Which means that Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist could not come to any Disney-owned streaming service before 2020, late 2020 at that. And Jessica Jones, which has season three coming out next year, won't be able to get on until 2021. No, oh, yeah, we could. And Punisher. Yeah. Well, pu- no. And Punisher too, which um, their new season comes out in January. Mm-hmm. So, so you, basically, the, oh, so these are almost mercy killings. They might be. 
I also feel like this um, Netflix Disney divorce is turning bitter behind the scenes. Mm, you think? But somebody ran the numbers and realized just how much Disney shit was getting views on Netflix. <laughs> they own that too? Shit! <laughs> I'm not upset about canning um, Iron Fist. Nobody is. Except um, for I'm Finn not, Jones, I'm I'm a little upset about Luke Cage because it it could it could have a potential to, you know, it's just that, uh, unfortunately, what's 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 his name, friend? Mike Coulter. He's not the best. Well, I mean, he's very confident in his, his abilities, as we know. Um, could you keep? <laughs> You go to the next story, Brandon. Because, <laughs> because I feel like as if you've been really on one tonight. Listen, life comes at you fucking fast. He said, he got up on that stage and he said, nobody else could play this part but me. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> and Netflix said, bitch, you thought. <laughs> you know what? Are you proud of yourself? I don't know. Is he proud of himself? Because here's the thing. Like, I like Mike Holter. I think he's actually, I think he's a, I think he's a decent actor, at least. I know people don't like him as Luke Cage, but I think part of that is not his fault. I think it's the fact that they write Luke Cage to be nice and, for lack of a better term, demure and Superman-esque in the show. People want to see, like, a more rough, tough Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Like, in the comic. A little preachy. Yeah. A little preachy. And, but, like, the thing is this. People expect these shows to come back in two years. All these actors going to find other shit to do before that happens. They have food to eat, f- food to um, purchase, and bills to pay. There's yeah, no also, 2020, before you, before you know it, 2020 is going to be upon you. So, right. in, in the blink of an eye, you, it'll be 2020, and you'll be like, oh, my God, just, just the other day, they canceled these shows. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm I'm good. You know, also I was I was really over my culture when when they when they had the nerve to make Luke Cage in the last season put his hands on Rosario Dawson. You don't do that. Mm. Nope. Don't be grabbing on Rosario like that. Well, I mean, the, should, tr- no. the true victim, the true victim of the death of Marvel Netflix, Rosario Dawson showing there out every and every series. Every time she shows up on the scene, she's... Well, she's she was done even... anyway, right? She, is, she had already resigned. Had she? Yeah, she put out... Really? Po- oh. She put out this whole press release about how she had enjoyed doing it for three years, but she was done. Let me see. Yeah, she was out. Like, if they had continued, they would have written her out of the, um, out of the programs. Mm. Okay. Well, they kind of the did spoilers for for um for um Luke Cage last season. I mean, she didn't show. She didn't. She didn't come back. Right. So, I mean, she didn't. You know, she didn't die or anything. But you know, she just wasn't in any more scenes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. Next up, they also said who's going to be the 2019 inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, they include Radiohead, Stevie Nicks, and Janet Jackson. Yes, I, Janet Jackson, will be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame mm. this year. 
I want to thank all my fans. My brothers Tito, Jermaine, Marlon, Randy, Jackie, and of course my dearly departed brother Michael, and Latoya, and Rebe, Mother Catherine, Father Joseph, rest in peace. <laughs> Hi, um, Janet. <laughs> That was that, honey. That was really great. Could you speak up a lot uh, more in the next take? All right, guys. All right, quiet on set. Okay, Janet, babe. All right, you can go ahead now. Hi, <laughs> Janet. This is us again. We're behind the booth, babe. You need to speak up. Okay. I am speaking. Up. <laughs> I am speaking up. Why are you yelling at me so? I'm bullshit. I love Janet Jackson. Let me stop being being messy. I love fucking Janet Jackson. Do you? Yes, I do. A lot of people were kind of upset about the whole Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because, like, you know, black people invented this shit, and they're very slowly parceling out the like the black inductees into the thing. Shaka Khan is not in yet. Jay took Janet. Like five or six cycles to get in. LL Cool J still ain't in because he was not, he was up from nomination this year and he didn't get in. And so people are like kind of over it. But let's turn it into a positive. Um, what is your favorite Janet Jackson song from each of her first, let's say, five albums? Well, not her first five, wow. her, fi- her five key albums. I don't want to do this. You don't, don't want to oh. do this. Okay. I well, I just hate picking favorites for anything. Uh, well, you can name just a favorite. I don't know, cause I, 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 I well, I'll go if anybody doesn't have any, it's fine. But like from Control, I really like when I think of you. Like I like all the Janet songs that sort of kind of get left behind a little bit, or sort of kind of mm-hmm. downplayed. From Rhythm Nation, it's um. Wait, wait, wait Brandon, Brandon, Brandon. Brandon. Uh-huh. Are you looking at a list? No, nigga. Are you just doing it's, this from memory? I'm doing this from memory. It's Janet fucking Jackson. You can remember each album's um, list of songs for each one? Well, the ones I like. memory? Yes. Yes, from, from Control, it's When I Think of You. From Rhythm Nation, it's All Right. Friends Come and Friends May Go. My friends are real and I know. Um, from Janet, period, it's Because of Love. Because of Love. Dude, uh, from Velvet Rope, it's the original version of I Get Lonely, not the Black Street remix, which is good, but I like the original better. That's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, and from All For You is um, Trust to Try. When I was in design school, I had to do a 3D design um, build thing, and I based it on Trust to Try. Sort of kind of what it would sound like if it was like a um, iTunes um, equal like. The little the the I don't know what you call what do you call that thing where it does the graphics if it was that in 3D. But it was trust to try. Okay. I actually really like trust to try. Yeah. No, from t- hmm. the rest of the albums don't exist to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stop it. The new one, I like the new one. The new I one like, though. <laughs> I like the idea that you know, like um songstresses like her are you know, that, that impactful that, you know, you can just, you can just remember so well, like, because they must have obviously, you know, been a big deal in terms of just, you know, how it felt when you listened to it for the first time. Yes. And you can probably remember where you were when you were listening to it for the first time too. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and finally in news, um, the Robin Thicke Pharrell lawsuit is officially over. When the gay when when they sued the gay family, the gay family sued them back. They've lost their final appeal, and they now owe the gay family five million dollars and half of all future royalties from the publishing of Blurred Lines. Something that could have been avoided if they didn't try to sue them first. Well, the reason they tried to sue them first was because they were getting threatened that they were going to get sued. Ah, uh. yeah, that was why. So they thought they thought they thought if they sued them first. It would stop them from pursuing them. I don't know whose lawyer gave them that that advice, but that was terrible advice. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the deal with this. I know a lot of people don't like Robin Thicke. I don't care for him myself either. But if you look at it past, fuck Robin Thicke, I can't stand when white people saying R&B. Um, this isn't good, you guys. Uh, because the gay family based their lawsuit on the fact that Blurred Lines, the recording, sounds... Like, got to give mm-hmm. it up. And they sued Pharrell, Robin Thicke, and T.I., who were these songwriters. They didn't... I think they sued the record label, and the record label said, fuck that shit, and kept it moving. <laughs> but... But because also, because they didn't, did not use a sample, so the record label wouldn't... That, that would have gone thrown out of court anyway. The thing is that the songs have a similar groove and feel... But the groove and feel of Got to Give It Up is not part of the sheet music that was sent to Jobatin Music back in 1977 mm-hmm. when that song was written. Mm-hmm. And so, and then like, they, the gay family stymied every possibility when Pharrell was trying to bring in musicologists and stuff. And a lot of deposition was really revealing, basically, that Robert Thicke didn't write shit. He just got a signed songwriting credit because of his contract. He was in the studio high and shit, Pharrell to do all the work himself. And so the problem is that they sued and won over a song that has a similar groove. So um, that crazy man that owns West, um, um, that owns the Funkadelic catalog, it's not mm-hmm. West End, it's not Westfield. Westbound. Westbound Records, who always sues everybody whenever he thinks he hears a sample of a Funkadelic record. Um, he just rubbed hands like Birdman. He's going to be... I'm mostly worried about um, Raphael Sadiq, who for the last couple of albums now has basically been remaking Smokey Robinson and the Miracles records. <laughs> if I was Smokey Robinson right now, I would be suing Robert, um, Raphael Sadiq and I would win based on this precedent. <laughs> But yeah, Robin Thicke is trash, so, you know, this is good, right? We'll see. Hopefully, well, I mean, it's, that's what that's how a lot works. Um, so hopefully it's not going to work like that. It's, it's going to be some other person is going to get suited that people will like, and they will feel a different way about this. Mark my words. How do y'all feel about it? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Right. I think, like you said, it, it creates a dangerous president. So, right. Because it says, oh, something just sounds like something, which, how do you, you know, how do you decide something sounds like something? Like you said, if you don't, like musicologists weren't, you know, like you said, they were kind of stopped from being in the proceedings. I don't know. Yeah. 
because I, I don't really care. I mean, because they, they all want $5 million from Pharrell. Pharrell got it. What if they sue somebody who don't got it? Well, we'll see. Um, mm. Now we're going to go ahead and talk about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. All right, so we're joined for this section by April. Um, hi, April. Hi, how's it going? It's going great. Um, so we're here to talk about, do a non-spoiler and then a spoiler review for the first Sony Pictures Animation movie I have liked in, shit, years. Uh, <laughs> Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, which features Shameek Moore from Dope as the voice of Miles Morales, making his very first appearance in a feature film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we usually do is we usually, in our non-spoiler session, give a letter great review for the movie. And then we discuss what the you know the cast and the directors were like and everything. And then for the spoiler part, we go into plot details. So we'll start with our guest, April. What did you think of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and what letter grade would you give it? Oh, man. Um, I feel bad that I'm cheating on Black Panther um, because (laughs) I think this is one of the best movies of the year. Uh, I was just amazed throughout the whole thing. The animation, the direction, the character development, everything was just perfect. Uh, Miles Morales is what we needed this whole entire time from this uh, universe. Uh, So I'm an A-plus all the way. All right. Ken. I, I would just give it a A minus, a slight A minus, but it's kind of, I don't know. It, it, there's a, some, I, it, the only thing I would give, knock it a little bit for and not much is I just want a little bit more with the, from the Spider-Verse characters, even though I think they did a great job of introducing them. Uh, but overall, this is, this is definitely one of the best films of the year. Um, and like April was saying, the character development was great. And the thing is, they did it without giving you a lot of exposition. It's just kind of like, they use, like, it's an animation, so I can do stuff to show you really quickly what I'm, you know, get their points mm-hmm. across. And it's a and it's a comic book movie that wasn't afraid to be about comics. Because, I mean, they even did the Zipatone art thing, like the art style is excellent. Yes. The kinetic energy, you know, you know, when it movements from all the animation, I loved it. Um, and the family stuff with Miles Morales, like, they, I don't think they, like, personally, and I, I can't speak for them, but I don't think they established, like, his Hispanic side quite as much as I would have liked, but they, it is there. They tr- they let you know that he's from a multicultural family, right. and they, you know, and you get that feeling from the first few minutes. Uh, I loved how um, Spider Gwen's character, how she looked like they, they gave her a unique look, and how things tied in. Um, I overall, I mean, it was it was very much a love letter to the comics. A great job of introducing a new character. They kept it fun. They kept it fresh. They kept energy moving. And this is definitely the best Stan Lee cameo ever. Oh, yes. Mm, yes. Uh, um, and, and the, you know, it really surprised me. And I mean, even some of the stylistic choices, like when Peter Parker was just kind of walking up the side of the building instead of crawling, I'm like, why have I never seen this done in a movie before? Like, you know, it was just like really ingenious and fun parts. Um, I don't want to go into spoiler stuff, but let me stop now. But mm-hmm. A minus, just because I think it was a little tweaks, but overall, it's a really great movie. All right. Um, Ali. It's a solid A for me. Um, I was in awe of the art direction on this movie. I I saw the the um trailer. 
and that was pretty much it. I knew I had to see this movie, but it's a it's a huge leap from just seeing a trailer on YouTube to seeing this kind of art style being animated on the big screen. It is so cool to see hashing and the little little dots that you see on comic books actually like it, like there and it working like it's not like as if it's just there for show like it's actually working they found ways to to use it properly in scenes to evoke something and i thought that was really that was really fun um i like miles as a character a lot um this is the first time we've ever seen him in a movie on the big screen so i thought that was a really great introduction like Ken said, it's it's not a fact that he's just black, but he's multicultural. So it was nice at, at the introduction. So you know, like, yeah, his his mom, I believe she's Puerto Rican, right? Mm-hmm. And then here she here he is walking through the streets, and some people he meets her, they speak to him in English, some people speak to him in Spanish, and he's able to you know reply back and everything. It it's the the neighborhood seems diverse. It, it feels very lived in. You know, um, I I love the the father son dynamic. It it felt really really great to me. I love the introduction of the other um, spider characters. Um, they all brought something interesting and cool. Shoot, I mean, I love that May <laughs> too. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's I thought that was really good. The the conflicts that um, Miles had to deal with for the movie. We'll talk about it in detail more. Um, I thought they were really relatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I walked away from the movie with a smile on my face. I was really happy. So, solid A. Oh, cool. And as for me, I'll give it an A+. Um, this movie, I was thoroughly impressed. And I did not expect to be... I expected to be impressed, but I was impressed. Like, it was actually amazing how the art direction and the animation... Um, quality pops off the screen in every shot. There's no like weak or bad shots in this movie. You know, usually in anything that's like hand animated, it's always like that one or two shots mm-hmm. or like, you know, where you can tell that, you know, they were in a rush, whatever. There's none of that here. Everything looks like they did a good job at Earth to Perfection. And on a budget, this movie, quote unquote, only cost $90 million. Your average Disney animated movie costs twice as much. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just everything about it, the storytelling. Like, Ken was saying that he wanted to see more of the Spider-Verse people. I like that we didn't see that much of them, that we saw more of Miles instead. Because I remember people were scared, were upset that they were putting all these other Spider-Folk into, quote-unquote, his movie. You know? But they actually did handle all of that and went ahead through the process of actually making a Miles Morales Spider-Man movie with the entire origin story... Close enough to how it is in the comics. Not exactly, but, you know, still there with his his mom, his dad, his Uncle Aaron, his Uncle Aaron, um, and all that kind of stuff. Like, I was thoroughly impressed, like, from beginning to end. Uh, and I couldn't help but notice that Aunt May looked like Amy Pascal. I'm sure that was on purpose. <laughs> Ali, do you know who Amy Pascal is? Um, yeah, I do. But wait, why would you be asking me? What Do you think I would have noticed that that looks like Amy Pascal in the movie, though? Because I wouldn't have. Okay. No, but like, I just thought it was... I, no, I, I noticed it right away. They made her look like Amy Pascal. 
Hmm. I guess she fancies herself to be Aunt May. And that version of Aunt May, who's in the movie for obvious reasons that are in spoilers. Uh, <laughs> do you see the article about how like um, she wants to make sure that her and Marvel Studios stay on good terms for Spider-Man movies going forward? But she still wants Spider-Man to appear in the movies they make without them. She 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 she, she wants to live in two worlds. But I mean, just animate them all. Do this all the time. Can we do this? Can we? Can that be okay? Can we do this all the time, forever and ever? Maybe that might be a solution. Maybe that might be a, a, a short term solution for things. Because here's the deal, and this is none of the spoilers. And I want this to be in a non spoiler so everybody can hear it, anyways. It is bizarre to me that we have had how many animated adaptations of actual comic books have we had in theatrical animation, like movies that were made on purpose to be shown in theaters? You know how many there have been? In American ones. I don't know about, you know, Japan. There's a different number. It's the hundreds. In America, how many have there been? Not that many. Four. Only... Four. Yeah, we, because we usually reserve theatrical releases for live action comic books, though. Right. Not anime. It's only been four. The um, Paramount Superman cartoons from the 1940s, you know, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm from 93, which technically speaking was made for home video. But halfway through, Warner Brothers was like, hey, we'll put it, here's more money, put it out in the theater. Um, number three is Big Hero 6. And number four is this movie. Because hmm. everybody talks all the time about how, oh, the CGI and Black Panther didn't work. Oh, um, the CGI and Justice League didn't work. You know, I don't like that wig. I don't like this actor and everything. They should have animated this shit a long time ago, but I think I, I, they were interviewing Brad Bird for the annual um, Hollywood Reporter Animators Roundtable. And what he said was that people associate superheroes and animation with cheap, low-quality product for television. Mm-hmm. Because he says when he made The Incredibles, which is an original animated superhero property, Disney didn't want to make it at all for that reason. And because of because they felt like it looked too much like Spy Kids to them. And that John Lasseter, um, the you know, now departed creative head of Pixar, um he had, was a- he was aggressive with the fairies. He, yeah, he was inappropriate with the fairies. Inappropriate. <laughs> um, <laughs> he um, fought for Brad Bird to let him make um, The Incredibles. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> which then led to also to um, Megamind being made at DreamWorks because, you know, whenever Disney made some shit, DreamWorks had to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's been so few. And it's weird because it's like when you watch something like... Because here's the thing. I know everybody loves those um, DC animated movies. Mm -hmm. I can't watch, like, I can watch one of them every now and then, but, like, I always find myself wanting the animation to be better. Okay. But that's me. I I feel like it's gotten cheaper and cheaper over the last few years. I I feel like it has. I feel like part of that is because the the volume of production has increased on them. They're making more of them Mm -hmm. each year. And I don't feel like, and you know, money-wise, they're probably cutting corners and stuff a little bit here and there. But I always would have loved to just see these things given like a full budget like this. And so seeing Spider-Man, seeing Peter Parker Spider-Man, Miles Morales Spider-Man, seeing like 
you know, them do things like comic book, um, thought, bo- mm-hmm. um, thought balloons and, and um, narration panels and the spider sense lines, the Kirby dots, you know, all that kind of stuff and the various animation styles sort of kind of merging all into one. It was fucking amazing. I was riveted the whole entire time. Like, a move, like and I think it was the animation and the script. Yes. And so moving forward, um, yeah. these studios are going to have to step it up with both if they do want it to go to the big screen. Absolutely. Like, I was just the whole entire... Listen, you, you were saying you were cheating on Black Panther. Listen, we are going to be some, um, some, the, the, um, some side pieces in here. Because listen, this was the best superhero movie of the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, when I t- but when I tell you Spider-Verse gave me what I wanted from Incredibles 2. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it like, oh, yeah. Incredibles 2 is <laughs> not, it, 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 it was like, this is what I was expecting from my experience with Incredibles 2. Yeah. Not yeah. you. I mean, it was, was definitely a let, um, a let down. Like it was underwhelming to me. Like, um, but this this completely washes that that drowns Incredibles too. No, right. no question. And I'm here for Lily Tomlin as Aunt May. Indeed, I was telling um, Ali um, while you were waking. They designed her to like Amy Pascal. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh uh-uh. uh Yeah, they did. <laughs> I immediately noticed that. I was like, that is Amy Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, meta art man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, she is. That is like her adapted child from Marvel. So yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, and so like, I mean, I don't have anything bad to say. They put hypnotized in the fucking movie. Edited, mind mm-hmm. you, yes, but I was like, is that Biggie? <laughs> well, I kind of minded, didn't. Like that personally, you broke up a little bit. What you I say? felt like, I kind of didn't like that personally because it felt like I don't. I mean, it was only in one scene, and I, I mean, it's forgivable. It's not that big. It's a deal. to introduce Uncle Aaron, who probably would be playing that because he's from that well, era. Yeah, I mean, was that did it? I feel like they played it on the street though before he met Uncle, and yeah, they meant yeah, they yeah, well, did it, it was it was what they what did they call it pre lap pre lapped audio because it's playing from his speaker, but. They pre-lapped the audio so that it plays over scenes before he actually gets there. But the idea was that it was playing on Uncle Aaron's um, boombox in his apartment. Okay. Maybe I didn't catch that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll give you that because I'm like, it, it made me think of like, never mind. Never mind. Yeah. Like, I I mean, I don't have anything bad to say about this shit. They should do this all the time. Um, stop making live action um, Marvel movies that aren't made by Marvel Studios. Just animate them. <laughs> um, no. No. You're saying that. You're saying that, but this is a, this. I don't want to say this movie is a fluke, but but it's an exception. Yeah, <laughs> you're right, April. Exactly, exactly. It's an exception to the rule. Mm. Um, especially coming from Marvel Animation. Well, not our, not our Marvel Animation, Sony Animation. I mean, how many Sony Animation films have you liked? Um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and this. Okay, <laughs> I had to think because they made the um, was it Hotel Transylvania? I don't like none of them. I'm yeah. sorry. And, the movies get on my, my nerves. <laughs> and my thing is, like you were saying about the cost of the film, the thing is, is, if you have the right creativity and you can tell Amy Pascal learned to plus stuff and keep plusing it yeah. and keep plusing <laughs> it from her, her meetings with Marvel, like, oh, let's see, can we make this better? Let's see if we can make this better, blah, 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 blah. You can tell this thing went through a bunch of drafts. Oh, yeah. Like, you can, ju- you can tell the quality and craftsmanship and it's just like chef kiss. Mwah. Um, 
you you can really tell the quality in there. It's like Frego, it's in there. But um <laughs> oh, I, I was got, it's dripping. It got the sauce, nigga. Um but oh, wow. isn't it I, but didn't didn't Sony made Surf's Up? That was a really good movie. I, I didn't see Surf's I doubt up. this it, this is this on the level of a Surf's Up, nigga. No, but I'm saying like in terms of the way you know, this ain't this you know ain't surfs up, nigga. This is thumbs up. Not surf up. We, you know how you were saying about like um like a fluke. Like typically when we when we associate animated movies, we we think they're oh, a certain kind of script, right? But where um like this is taking a different turn. Surfs up was like a mockumentary. It wasn't filmed like it was filmed like as if it was a with a handheld camera, except it was all animation. And I thought that was pretty clever. So this is. You know, this is in the same kind of, of vein. I, I agree that Sony can definitely do these things and make them well. So, yeah. If 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 you're looking back in the history of Sony Animation to see, like, can you guys, could you guys have done this? I think Surf's Up is a good example that Sony can break away from some, like, monotonous, you know, animation styles. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Even Cloudy with his, like, bouncy-bouncy character animation, really goofy and silly sort of things. Cause like just like the yeah, movie. I like Cloudy more. For the, yeah, I like Cloudy more for like the the story. I just thought that the, the story was so clever, and then you mixed in the animation, and mm-hmm. I just thought like, man, that's like a perfect combo right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but if you, well, Brandon, but it it sounds to me that you said like the budget was so low. Yeah, like for this movie, like for an animated movie, this is a low budget. Mm-hmm. Ninety million. For any other movie, it's super high, but like animated movies tend to cost a lot because, like, I mean, especially CGI because it's, it's all special effects every scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the voice acting though. Like we talked about the animation already and everything, and like I also found out, of course, you know they they sort of kind of kept this movie in the lab until they could figure out what it was going to look like before they actually greenlit it. They didn't just throw it into production. Mm-hmm. They sat down with okay. one animator working on it for like six months and so they finally perfected the style they wanted, which mm-hmm. is what they should do all the time. Um, but yeah, so we talked about Shamik. We talk, let's talk about Shamik more as the voice of Miles Morales. Like, perfect. Like, I don't have... Yeah, it. He yeah. He has the New York accent. Um, everything just worked for what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. No um, complaints. Yeah, Jake Jake Johnson as the Spider Man from the other um, dimension. Yeah, because the Spider Man from from Miles' world is voiced by Chris Pine, who doesn't oh. appear for very long. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like, he's supposed to be the Tobey Maguire Spider Man, right? Well, at least a version of, because like they do like flashbacks to all the Tobey Maguire Spider Man movies in his little like wrap up. Which ones? Um, part one, part two, and part three. No, which which one is Spider Man? The one who was um, the one who dies. Chris, okay, no, he was supposed to be a version of that because most of the stuff is like it's that the the one the 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 one who serves as his mentor is closer to the Tobey Maguire version, mm. whereas the one who was in Miles' version, he was kind of a little bit of a flip on that version. Don't you remember? Because if you remember, Mary J. Mary Jane was hanging upside. Oh, okay. Oh, that's why. Yes. Okay. It was backwards. All right. Which one of them was the one who stopped the train? Um, I want to say that was the one that, um, I think it was the Dimension one. Hmm. 
because I have the I have their backstory scrambled. Um, I forgot because both of them did because both of them did the well. You know how this goes already. Yeah, um, they, and they, I think they each did certain scenes from the old Spider-Man movies, like the separate ones. Yeah, the one who the, the dancing one. Which one was that? That was, was that the one. The that, that was the Chris Pine one. That was definitely the Chris. That was early up, and everybody laughed because he did. Um, they did that that damn dance from Spider Man Three. And it's funny because uh, I'm sure Amy Pascal was one who thought that would be a great idea of twelve years ago to have Spider Man do that damn dance. So, so to see them make fun of it, cosmic, co- just cosmic karma, perfection. <laughs> um. Haley Steinfield, who is also in Bumblebee coming out this week, um, as the voice of Gwen Stacy. Pretty good. Like yeah, it. it worked. Yeah. Um, Mahershala Ali is the voice of Aaron Davis. Yeah, no, no complaints here. <laughs> like Brian Tyree Henry good. as Miles' dad, who is unfortunately named Jefferson Hello? Davis. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, okay, something happened with my internet. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, that's all good. Um, Brian Tyree Henry as Jefferson Davis. Jefferson Davis? That's, that's, that, that's his name. <laughs> that's his name. That is his name. Who was Jefferson Davis? Um, Miles, Miles' dad. His his dad, okay, so he and his dad have different names. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, some critics said, why isn't he Miles Davis? <laughs> mm. I'm assuming that when he was born, the parents weren't married, and now they're mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Which I appreciate. We talked about Lily Tomlin playing um, Aunt May, which mm-hmm. is just, that's inspired. But, um, it, but now, think about it, though. You said Aunt May was... Look like um, Amy Pascal. Yeah, that's how Aunt May looks in the ultimate, u- alternate, u- ultimate universe stuff. Really, with the mm-hmm. with, with that Bob and everything like that. Just like she just yeah. Gave... Oh, okay, <laughs> she's a spunkier Aunt May. Okay, uh, like put her put her behind a um a, a desk at a studio. I would I would have swore she was Amy Pascal. <laughs> uh, Laura Velez as um, Rio Morales, Miles's mom. Mm-hmm. Shout out to um, Detective um, Nina Moreno. <laughs> wow. oh, I thought it was an Easter egg for the New York Undercover reboot. <laughs> also, also she play. Also, she plays a detective. She also plays a detective or like uh, a police. No, sorry, a police uh, investigator in uh, the Dexter series that was on. She's so she's typecast. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. totally typecast. <laughs> <laughs> um. Nicholas Cage as Spider Noir. Oh my God, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, see, Spider Man from a dark universe of the 1930s. <laughs> Sorry, it's black <laughs> and white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, like the wind is, the wind smells, the wind smells like rain, or what did he say? Because he was talking about why is there always wind where you are? It's like really though. The wind always <laughs> we're, don't, we're in a. How is there wind? <laughs> <laughs> why is there wind blowing? We're in a big wind. Kamiko Glenn as Penny Parker, who is the anime version with her mechanical spider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she did all right for her time. Yep. John Mulaney as Peter Porker, a.k.a. Spider-Ham. Yeah, so I listened to this guy's stand-up um, just recently, and yeah, pretty funny guy. 
Um, and leave Shriver as Wilson Fisk, aka the Kingpin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, listen, that was a that's um, it was a great cast and everything. So let's go ahead now to talk about spoilers. So if you have not seen Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, get thee to a movie theater. It's number one at the box office this week, but it only made thirty five million. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought it would have made way more. I think they should have done more advanced screenings. Hmm. Like just a few more. To get more word of mouth out. Yeah. Yeah. Hoping it'll get a Christmas bump. Well, I mean, yeah, it probably will. Hopefully, because because you know, I, I heard the expectations were low for the film, but at least we know it's going to make its money back. Right. All right. So now let's talk about these spoilers. All right. So now I just want to say, like, first of all, I didn't catch it, but apparently there's an Easter egg of uh, Donald Glover somewhere in Uncle Aaron's um, room or his apartment because Don, I, Glover, damn, I, I saw it, but I can't remember it. Yeah. Donald Glover played that part, of course, in um, Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. And of course, the whole thing about the reason why Miles exists in the first place is because Donald Glover had this campaign to, um, to get cast as Spider-Man mm-hmm. when they were going to do the reboot, and they eventually got Andrew Garfield instead. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this, the story is really, really good. The whole idea of the Kingpin trying to get this um, um, this multiverse traveling world collider working so he can mm-hmm. find him his wife and his child who. Killed in a car crash because he found out he was a supervillain. Mm-hmm. It's a really that's a really really great driving force for like that level of like you know depraved fucking with worlds. Like I actually felt bad for the kingpin. I understood. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't have done what he did, but I mm-hmm. underst- I understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the whole thing, everything, the story worked for me. Um, the whole idea of Miles, he's going to um, this um, charter school where he has to wear mm-hmm. a uniform. He doesn't like it. He, he wants to be with the people, he says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole way he they did him getting his um, powers, which is similar to the comics, but not ad- identical. But he was, you know, hanging around with his Uncle Aaron when he got bit by the spider. Mm-hmm. But, it, yeah. Yeah. And, like, the, like, him discovering his powers, not having control of them. Meeting the other Peter Parker from the other dimension, the one who's like, he keep making fun of the fact that he's got a little bit of a belly on him. <laughs> he's sort of kind of down his luck. Mary Jane then left. Aunt May is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, Stanley selling him the um, Spider-Man costume. He's like, can I bring it back if it doesn't fit? He's like, it always fits eventually. Which, and then they show the sign, no sign. refund. Yeah, the what? sign. Because you're, you're all like, oh, that's so cute. They show the sign, no returns or exchanges. <laughs> That was a great joke. People in my people in my theater were beside themselves. <laughs> they they couldn't handle it. They couldn't. They just couldn't handle it. They were just like, yeah. Now it's time for us to be audible. <laughs> I was actually upset. My I had like, what was your audience like when you guys went to see it? Well, Ali saw it um, by himself on Thursday. At um mm-hmm. down in um somewhere in southwest Atlanta, no southeast Atlanta. I saw it in Duluth last night. I only had six people in my theater with me. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I may have. Mm. Yeah, I'm in Denver and I saw it Thursday night, and we had a sold out crowd. Oh wow! Yeah, 
Like I, I bought tickets early that morning and it was nearly sold out when I bought the tickets. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I went Thursday. Um, and I think there may have been less than 20 people in the whole theater. Mm. Yeah, on my end, when I when I bought my tickets, it was late, it was really late at night. Um, and I wasn't sure. Um, there were there were there were quite a few seats that were empty. So I chose a seat that was in the somewhere in the middle of the theater. When I got to the theater, I chose a seat that was not where like no one was near me because it was um what do you call it? Um um uh, arranged seating. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So when I got there, there were two people who were sitting like a couple, there was you know, a black couple was sitting right next to my seat. So at first I wasn't sure. I was like, I could have sworn I chose a seat not next to anybody. So I went up there. <laughs> and I told I told I told Brandon this. <laughs> I went there and I, you know, I made sure to to make it be very visible that hey, I'm checking my phone to see that my seat is correct. <laughs> and mm-hmm. lo and behold, my seat was literally right next to them. And so I had a conflict I had to resolve in a split second. I was like, do I sit in my seat? <laughs> or do I know if other people are going to show up on the same row? And should I just take another seat somewhere? Right. Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm, you don't want to be one of those people who, you know, take someone's seat and they're sitting there be like, hey, man, that's my seat. So I was like, okay. So I sat down in my seat <laughs> that I chose. Online before I got there, <laughs> the people next to me, they took one look at me and they were, and they just, they got up and moved a couple chairs down. <laughs> I was like, you intimidated them. I no, I didn't. You did. They were, they were clearly upset that someone had the nerve, the audacity, the audacity to sit next to them, the unmitigated gall. <laughs> And I was like, well, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. This is the seat that I bought. So, Lord Jesus. So, yeah. But other than that, there were only like maybe, I would have to say maybe 10 or so other people in the theater. Again, I went late at night on Thursday. So, maybe that's why. Right. So, I love that they had Dr. Octopus, the. um... So, is that canon, the um, Olivia Octavius? I'm not sure. Let me check real quick. Cause I see a lady octopus here who is Carolyn yeah, Trader, but she's not Olivia Octavius. I did they sort of kind of did a merge on those two. Yeah, characters. it was a reimagining. Yeah, but I I like that also because it came as a shock to the audience, at least to me, when they were that was like, what, "What's your name?" and it revealed that she's um um Doctor Octopus. Mm-hmm. And she was, and then then she did her little Frankenstein, brought a Frankenstein hairdo up, and she was. Um... <laughs> I love the way her. I love the way the the arms were um, engineered. Yeah. Instead of it being metallic, they had they they were all that sort of silicone-y um, sort of a material that was stretchy. Yeah. So they could stretch and bend really- and stuff, and she made her more flexible than um, the traditional Doc Ock. And bar, she yeah. was using them. That was really cool. <laughs> that was kind of that was low key, not not scary like ah, but like a little bit creepy, like just how fast she could move with them arms. <laughs> Even through them trees, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, don't drop that computer. Uh, 
<laughs> oh, the scene where they were breaking into her lab and when Miles over the guy into the um the computer and her desktop was a fucking mess. I cackled. Clean your desktop. Clean your desktop, lady. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Um Peter Porker and all his Looney Tunes like gags and props and things. And when he said that's off at the end of the picture, somebody's like, Can he say that? I mean like legally. <laughs> Yeah, because I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> it's like, it's literally as soon as I thought it, can you say that? And then it's, can he say that? I died. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, let me see. Um, Penny Parker and her adorable anime um, faces and her, ador- her adorable anime robot. Listen. I I might have to get like a Funko of them. They're adorable. I enjoy the fuck out of them. Gwen Stacy. Um, and when Miles gets his hand stuck in her hair when he first gets his powers and she has to get it um that hair shaved off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, I like your hair. You're not allowed to like my hair. You are not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> not after today. Not after today. <laughs> Cause, Cause my day was going great. <laughs> And how the, um, Miles learns to be Spider-Man, at least initially, from Spider-Man comics, which, as opposed to being fictional, they're like they're like uh, biographical <laughs> renditions of how Spider-Man got his shit. <laughs> Real life adventures of Spider-Man. <laughs> I I love how as he was doing stuff, it was actually mirroring the comic books yeah. that he was holding. <laughs> Just like shit. Even when he did a face plant, I was yeah. like, God damn The arc with him and his dad was very well handled in the midst of all this, you know, quote-unquote comic book yep. chaos. You know, the whole idea of the, of him being worried about losing Miles, like he lost, like he lost his brother Aaron. The whole idea, and the whole thing, him hating Spider-Man, but then seeing, like, the final battle. Can we talk about the final battle? All the battles are in this movie are good, but, like, where, who spent... Who worked for minimum wage on that $90 million budget to make them battles, especially mm-hmm. that final one? Who didn't get paid? I need to know because golly. That looks like amazing. That looks, that looks like somebody had to be a be that. So, somebody, yeah, somebody, somebody was living an Arbor Twist life working on this movie. Listen, because they, they rode that train life. through like five different dimensions. No way, the- did y'all see it in 2D or 3D? I saw it in 2D. I didn't get, didn't get to see it in 3D. Okay. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same like, here. Well, I might go back and see it in 3D. Though. I might. I think so, just for those final scenes. Oh, yeah. that that was, It looked insane in, just in 2D. Like, just like the whole thing. And also, how many villains they, they squoze in here. Dr. Octopus, Kingpin, the Scorpion, the Prowler, who, of course, is, you know, Miles Lerner is his, is his uncle. And um, who, who was giving me evil du- Black Panther? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I wonder did they plan on it to be so similar to Black Panther beforehand? I'm not sure. Yeah, because I mean, evil purple it, Black Panther. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, the, the looks kind of reminded me of when Mark Texiero was right was drawing it when um when Christopher Priest was writing the book. So I can see that. Yeah, like the look from the, from the comics and Tombstone, who was voiced by our boy um, Tobias Whale from Black Lightning. Did he have two lines beyond grunts? 
No, he had he had at least one line. And I was like, yep, that's that's um that's Crondon. That's that nigga. Mm. <laughs> it's hard to recognize him when he's talking talking about Negroes being ain't shit and eating watermelons and fried chicken. Oh, <laughs> mm. uh, listen, like every scene was awesome. Like, um, Miles Miles being like you know like. A quote unquote secret graffiti artist because his dad's a police officer. Mm-hmm. And, his, and um, the whole reason he got bit by a spider was because Aaron found him a place where he could tag, he could throw his tag up. Because what did you think of that, of the tag he created? It's cute for a kid. He's supposed to be like, well, like 13, 12, but like, mm-hmm. I mean. Oh, I didn't know you were into graffiti like that, Brandon. But <laughs> <laughs> you over here, dr- I was talking about the, did you see the message in there? Yeah, great expectations. The, no, the, before it said no expectations, and they had the outline of a black man kind of right there. It was kind of like dead, like uh, um, a chalk outline of a black man originally. Oh, before shit. Before in the end of the film, it changed to great expectations. Oh, I didn't, I didn't notice that it changed. Oops. <laughs> I mean, I might be wrong, but that's what I got from it because he it had an outline of, you know, well, not a black man. We'll say, let's say a minority because I'm just as bad because Miles Morales is, you know, Latino and black. But yeah, it was because that's why they had the outline of his figure, right? And just in black and the expectations thing. And I don't, I and I might be imagining that it said no, but expectations in a chalk outline in uh, a chalk like outline of a black man. Yeah, I, I mean, well, I'm a minority. Shit, I keep doing it. He's a black. He's black. Listen, he's black. He's also well, Latin, he's also Latin. No, but I don't. Black. I don't want to. I don't want to like I keep saying that and forget he has Latin roots too because right. I want their representation there. That's a good point. But yeah, like um. I could, but yeah, that's really awesome. I didn't pick up on that. But yeah, I mean, listen, like, I mean, there's nothing, I don't have anything bad to say at all. Like, I love the fact that, like, they, he helped. It's like, they don't spend much time with the other Spider people, but they do spend some time, enough time with Gwen and especially with the other Peter, because, you know, the whole thing of, like, him becoming, like, the unwitting mentor. Mm-hmm. And I feel, I like this. Even though, of course, it's obvious Spider-Man literally pointing at Spider-Man more on that later. Um, I like this better than the whole Spider-Man, Iron Man thing. Mm. Which worked for the live action movie, but I like this better. I really enjoyed this dynamic a whole lot. Because they they basically did really good, do a good job of showing them help each other. Um, that, that, that's Genki as his roommate, right? Yeah, yeah, but they couldn't do Genki because they stole Genki for Homecoming and just gave him a different name. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> uh, I was looking. At Am the, I right? I mean, like the, he's supposed to be Ned Leeds. I have been told, but I looked at the artwork for Genki. Look at the boy they got to play him in Spider Man Homecoming. I was like, yeah, y'all, y'all knew what y'all was doing. It's fine. Oh, it's not. Or it's not. But. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of anything like this. Else, I mean, I all I can say is I want to see it again. I want to buy it when it comes out. Um, it's all they're already using scenes from it as demos in Best Buy for TVs, and they will be using that for a long time. <laughs> really? Yeah, 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 yeah. When I went on um, Black Friday, I didn't buy a TV because I realized I didn't have the money for it. But mm-hmm. I looked at all the TV. They were showing scenes from Into the Spider Verse, like um, some of the previous stuff they already released, like. As you know, demo reels on the TVs on the big ones, mm-hmm. 
Like the movie just like amazing. Like it looks so oh, wow. good. They have to win the Oscar for best animated film. I'm sorry to um Ralph breaks the internet. I'm sorry to Incredibles too, but they have to win. I'm sorry. I need to show Ralph. Um Ralph I'm, is good. I, I'm not no sorry to Incredibles. They should have not recycled the same plot from the first movie. Oh. <laughs> and I mean the animation was so lazy. And then they try to tell you it takes a long time to make a movie. You gave us three cards movies in this time. Yeah, you sure three did. of them. <laughs> I don't care how obsessed that guy is with cards. He needs to stop making that be the, the theme of the, the what, entire he don't, he don't work there no more. John Lasseter don't work there no more, Ali. Mm-hmm. You know that, right? Yes, I know, Good. but I'm just saying, like, you shouldn't that 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 shouldn't have been the the theme of the studio for years. This right. is ridiculous. But I mean, even in in Incredibles two, like, I saw like character designs reused. I'm not supposed to be able to pick that up. That like these crowd scenes were so sparse. I understand that you were going for a look and feel, but it, it was kind of like y'all were playing like yike with this budget. There was no fast and looseness. It was kind of like this is where we're using our budget. This is where we're using our budget, and we have the rap party. So. <laughs> Well, at least no, at least no, people won't be just like, we need an Incredibles 3 like they do with Incredibles 1. And on top of that, now that I think about it, remember how Sausage Party was talking about how it was made with the cheap budget and you could tell? Oh, you could. Yes. My God, that movie was so cheap. <laughs> but here you have this and it's like, oh. Right. Well, I well, it, I also, because Brad Burke complained about it a little bit in that Hollywood Reporter Roundtable, they were supposed to come out next year. They like pushed them up a year, so they lost a year of production time. That story didn't lose a year of production time. Kid <laughs> <laughs> bad, y'all. Kid bad. Kid Brad Bird. Brad Bird. Listen, you have been called out, sir. You got to come hard on the next one. Um, we we have disappointments over here in these quarters. Uh, <laughs> No, but, I don't. I don't. I don't even really care about the next one. Like right. that's fine. Oh. After you waited so long, that's what you gave us. Nah, you can keep Incredibles three. Oh dear. Oh, uh, all right. <laughs> let's go ahead and do a non-spoiler review for Aquaman. It'll be me and Ali telling y'all about. Oh it. wait, can we can we talk about the end credit scenes? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Credit <laughs> scenes. All right. So, um, which was is Ali wait. told me there was two, but. What was the first one? I don't remember the first there one. There was really just one. Yeah. Yeah. One was, was the one was the tribute to Stanley. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The tribute to Stanley, which is really awesome. And to Steve Ditko as well. Which is like What really, was that one? Um the tribute is not with a C really same, but just they did a tribute to Stanley and Steve Ditko the quote. with the yeah. quote and everything, his oh, glasses. Okay. Which is really awesome and really heartfelt. So the end yeah. is Oscar Isaac as the voice of Spider-Man 2099, which I was like, mm-hmm. you niggas. Y'all could have done this years ago. Why did y'all wait till you this animated one to actually do all this Spider-Man comic book shit? So he's trying to go to other multiverse worlds to try to meet the other Spider-Man. He ends up in the Spider-Man 1967 movie cartoon episode where he does the Spider-Man podcast Spider-Man, Spider-Man meme. <laughs> I had a crowded theater and everyone died. Yeah. Like, crying. The entire theater shook. Why are you pointing at me? Stop pointing at me. I'm pointing at you. You, you pointing at me. <laughs> 
I'm like, I, I was so amazed at that. I'm like, this is so smart. Like, usually when, like, even with the Marvel films, when they do those funny, the funny in credits, usually they're not funny enough for me to stay for the end of the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. That was, that justified it. That like, shit was ridiculous. I was so happy. <laughs> and that, and that, also makes, that also makes the second animated movie this year to have an end credit scene, which is basically a meme. Yeah. Right. Well, That's a meme culture is hard. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's go ahead and talk about Aquaman. All right, so um, this past Saturday at 7 p.m., I think 1,500 theaters had a special um, early screening of Aquaman. Not a free screening. You had to pay for it. It was through Amazon Prime. If you had an Amazon Prime membership, you could buy a ticket through Adam Tickets and go see Aquaman a week before it comes out. Of course, you know, this is the movie that it took um, 13 months to follow behind the abysmal mess that was Justice League. Um, so we're going to, me and Ali are going to tell y'all whether or not the DCEU is done for forever or whether it can come back. So Ali, what is your score and review of, uh, not spoiler review of Aquaman? Um... Yeah, so this is a strong, this is a strong A minus for me. Um, I was shocked. I guess when you when you go into a movie, <laughs> when you go into any Warner Brothers DC movie now, your expectations uh-huh. are super low. <laughs> <laughs> so you were already just like, well, you know what? Let's just see what what happens this time. But I was, I was impressed. Um. Okay, so non-spoiler review. Letting Jason Momoa, Jason Momoa, is actually a pretty good thing. Just, just let him. This isn't a spoiler. Let him the Momoa. nigga can actually halfway act. I know people were clowning and shit. We yeah. didn't know he can actually halfway act. I mean, yeah. I knew so, that from the Johnson family vacation. Oh God, he was in that. I haven't seen a movie in years. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it in the deep, theater when it came that out. Was a but that deep was a deep cut, huh? But that was like that was like 14 years ago. <laughs> I haven't seen it since. I just remember they had them gigantic hamburgers and um and Cedric Entertainers running around naked talking about making dick jokes. I don't remember okay. the rest of it. Okay. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. But yeah. So um, yeah, letting him just letting him Momoa all over the screen. It's actually a pretty good thing. That's and one way to put would, it. Yeah, and then and then um, Amber Heard plays all of him really well. Um, I think all they just have to do is just like, hey, Amber, let him do his thing and just sort of, you know, just sort of react. And hide your books, girl. Naturally. Hide your and books. It, and hide your books. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Hide your keys, hide your books. Yep. So yeah, and, and it it worked really well. I know people were just like, uh, they're really corny lines. I didn't really think the lines were corny. Um, you know, sometimes they came off kind of campy, but it kind of worked because it's Aquaman, you know? I wasn't expecting anything too crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, they spent all of the monies on listen, underwater listen, yeah. scenes. Listen, I'm I'm, I'm here jumping on Ali's review. This is the most expensive motion picture I have seen since Avatar. Looking, mm. looking, looking. Most expensive looking motion picture. Uh, they say the budget is two two hundred million dollars. I do not believe them. <laughs> Somebody lying. <laughs> Somebody. You know? They said it would look cheap. 
Who said one review I read? Oh, oh, uh, Entertainment Weekly. Yeah, that nigga lying. That that white man. Who said is that? Give me the address. Entertainment Weekly's reviewer who said the, those cheap CGI. He's a goddamn lie. That there, there. I counted yeah. exactly two shots that didn't look as good as they could have. But the rest of it, I was like, "Holy fuck! What happened here? What is going on? How did they make that? Who did that? What's happening? Wow, is that real? Holy fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there are some scenes in there um, that me and Brandon are going to go in depth with because that just felt like as if, dude. Did you really need to go so did you need to go so hard on the scene? I guess you could I mean you could have just like we were thinking of like solutions, like you know, if it was I just went so back, simple, Ali, just... before I we started recording today, I pulled up my copy of Justice League and went back to look at the the, the quote unquote Atlantis scenes. Oh yeah, that's nothing. Oh my that's, god, how did they release that? <laughs> there is no comparison. James Wan. <laughs> James Wan has a clear vision. Like he is, he is has a really clear vision of what he wanted. And the what details, he wanting? the details are <laughs> stunning. Sorry, that was good. That was a good one. Go ahead, Ali. <laughs> oh, you heard me. Yeah, the details are stunning. Like oh, yeah. it's and the little little and the little little tiny things that you just little. that you won't even pay attention to. Mm-hmm. He like you don't have to animate that, or you don't have to three D design this. But bitch, I yes, guess I did. Just like, hey, we got- <laughs> That's what he's saying. <laughs> All right. So yeah, um, so yeah, it looked really, 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 really good. If if even if let's say the story was shit, you can't deny that this movie looks very beautiful on the big screen. Yeah. Right. All right. For me. So- All right. Go ahead, go kid. Ahead. Now I was just gonna say I heard like Marvel. I mean, not Marvel. Disney should Marvel Disney. They should be mad because they probably stole a little bit of the upcoming, um, like uh, Little Mermaid live action film. Like some of the stuff. <laughs> like it's kind of like we did like a little bit first. Like now you got to work harder. <laughs> I mean, we we've even got our own red haired princess. Yep. <laughs> yeah. The the um. So the one line review I was gonna put on my Facebook that I was persuaded not to was that. Um, the only reason Aquaman is good is because Disney is because Disney did their special effects, it, which isn't true. But I w- was want to do that and fuck with people because um, it's ILM doing the, doing the special effects, mm. and they did it. They put their foot into it. I, my grade is a B plus. Um, the the first let's say ten minutes of this movie are a little bit clunky, in strong part because they have they have to use the. Zack Snyder version of, of Aquaman to set you up with all the rock music and stuff and everything. And mm-hmm. there's one really bad shot of Black Manta running away in slow motion in the first 10 minutes that I was like, why'd y'all do that? But mm-hmm. but a, as the movie continues forward, it just gets better and better and better. Like once they settle into the main plot, we're just like more like a quest, basically. This would make an awesome fucking platform video game, basically. In a good way. Because mm-hmm. the whole idea is that the quest for the Trident, basically, they're hunting for clues to try to find it. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I mean, y'all seen the traitors, basically, um, I would hope. Like, basically, like, like the Trident of the first king of Atlantis, uh, not the first king of Atlantis, but the first, the last one before they sank into the ocean. It's supposed to be, like, to find that as, like, the ultimate weapon in order to stop, um, in order to claim the throne from um, King Orm before he unites all the other kingdoms 
and becomes ocean master and declares war on the surface world. Yeah. Mm. So basically, so basically, it's Nathan Drake and and um, you know Tomb Raider's Lara Croft. They come together and they go finding yeah this um strider. Yeah, like um, it's a thrill ride sort of a movie. Like I will warn you now, the movie like this isn't like Black Panther. Or Infinity War, where like you know, Marvel's basically been able to turn their movies into films, where they have these big, strong, deep, thematic like things. Like Black Panther's about you know the plight of the diaspora and whether or not this technologically advanced African society is responsible for helping people. Infinity War is about you know this one guy who believes that he's doing a noble thing by killing half the half the life on these planets by bring balance and order, but of course everybody is against him because he's this is an evil thing to do. Aquaman is basically it, it's it's more of a thrill ride. Like there's the whole basic theme about, you know, family and abandonment and identity, but they don't draw on that too much. Basically it's almost entirely wall to wall action. So that's where I think you see some of the bad reviews. And the, the reviews that say it's the best movie ever and the reviews that say it's the worst movie ever. It depends on how much you like action movies because this is what you get in this one. You get basically wall-to-wall action. Some fucking good action, too. Right. A naked chests. And naked chests, yeah. Naked. Naked. Um, all the acting is fine. The storytelling is... Fine, like a like some of the dialogue, like especially where we saw it at the um Super Movie Grill, when they're underwater, it can be a little hard to understand a little bit here and there. You had to basically like see in a theater that has a good sound system and pay and be prepared to pay a little bit of attention. But like otherwise, like I mean, everything is basically like it's like, I mean, it's really, really exciting, really, really fun. Jason Momoa and Amber Heard are great together on screen. Um, it's not, it ha, it it shares none of the thematic tone with the other DC EU films at all. It's trying more so to be a phase one Marvel film in, in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like not even with Wonder Woman, because Wonder Woman still existed in that Zack Snyder world of, you know, sort of kind of dreariness, except for when they were on Paradise Island. Imagine... So imagine if this movie had also, if Wonder Woman had also taken place on Paradise Island with all those colors and stuff, that's Aquaman, basically. Like, they explore, like, worlds on land and beneath the sea, all these, you know, like, various weird worlds with various weird creatures and things. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, it's a whole, just like a whole lot of action, a whole lot of fun. It's like going on like a big adventure, basically. Like it's just the kind of fun fucking movie that I that you should see in a movie theater on the on the biggest fucking screen possible. Okay. Um, it does not pass the Bettdale test, which is why part of why it has like a B plus for me and not like an A, basically. Um, and of course, the first yeah. little bit of it is a little bit clunky. All of Michael Beach's scenes are sort of kind of like, bro. He plays Black Manta's dad. But he disappears. Yeah, I heard, I heard. I heard the beginning of the film is kind of yeah. Yeah, the 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 scene they show in the trailer of the whole of the him coming on the on the sub and the permission to come aboard and all that. Mm-hmm. That's the worst scene mm-hmm. in the movie. So if you think that oh, looks wow. okay, you're good. 
Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like it's still too wet for four C here. Oh dear God! <laughs> <laughs> um. The movie is two and a half hours long. Ali said it was too long, felt too long. I felt it felt a little bit short. Maybe I was just that into it. I don't know. <laughs> you were just that into it. I guess so. There is one mid-credit scene. There is no post-credit scene. So you don't have to stay past the entire credit roll if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless if you want to read all of it. All the people who contributed to the making of this film. Yeah, all the, all the animators who lost sleep drawing um, all that water. <laughs> all right. Um, and we'll do an, a spoiler review of Aquaman after we could do with this thing, because it would just be the two of us. We'll just basically be standing over scenes. <laughs> um, I will say also, um, Nicole Kidman was awesome as the mom. Like, they gave her a lot to do. Um, well, yeah, like I think that's everything with that. So let's go ahead on to the say something nice, say something nice challenge. All right, so, um, I'm sure y'all have heard about this. Um, so Jacques, <laughs> um, this young man who um sings RB records nowadays, um, went onto the internet. And told the internet that he was the king of R and B, and everybody over the age of thirty five got upset behind this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and had responses either nom- nominating themselves as alternatives or mentioning other people who should be known as the king of R and B. So what I'm going to do is I've compiled a list of everybody who spoke up and either set themselves or set somebody else. And I'm just going to read through the list of people of other um, candidates. Because the thing is this. Jack, among the people who are current, among the male, current male artists of R&B, he might have a case. Can he? Because he, he actually can sing. He's one of the few who can actually fucking sing. I saw him open. He wasn't bad. Yeah. But like, I mean, like of the one of the of the current crop, mind you, the current people who are currently making records. I need I need to know this crop you're talking about. Like him and um what's the what's, what's the what's what's the um Ty Dollar Sign and who's barely an RB. That artist. nigga is not beating Ty Dollar Sign. <laughs> like I, I was trying to figure out who you was talking about. Ty, you said this nigga beat Ty Dollar Sign. He can Ty Dollar Sign hardly most of these people hardly sing. They they be they be they they rap with a little bit of melody. How much time Dollar Sign have you heard? Barely a little bit. It's like I heard a little bit. I went and looked up Jacquees records before I started recording this. And you still think? Yeah. Let's yeah. roll the footage. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't. I, I don't want to use the audio. Um, it's this whole Spotify thing I'm working on. I don't want to play outboard audio for a while. Um, but I. I said he has a case. I didn't say he was. I just said he has a case. Uh, he, I'm, I will he listen to his story. But yeah, this is the people who... Other this people... is my story. This is my song. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, church. So these are the other candidates who have been mentioned. Um, Usher. I mean, yeah, in 2001. Especially 2002. 
I don't know about 2018. I was told he can't dance no more, that his knees are bad. That's what I heard, at least. That, and of course, he has... Brandon. Up, he has Brandon. Up, yes. Brandon, this better not be you. <laughs> because I swear to God, Brandon. <laughs> Ken, come and get Brandon, please. <laughs> Oh, you better get him, Lord Jesus. Of uh, Tyrese, no, no, <laughs> hell no, <laughs> fuck now. Tank, the king of Coca Cola commercials. Ah, come on, la 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 la. <laughs> Lord, uh, Tank, Durell Babs, Tank, Tank. Mm-hmm. He has been trying to be the he's been the king of nothing since he came out in like what 2003, 2004? 2000. Ooh, yeah. Mm. Uh, yep. No, no. Pleasure P. Oh, so go ahead, go ahead, Ken. What? How <laughs> what? what? Oh, yeah, yeah. Pleasure P of Pretty Ricky. He said himself. He said okay. he was the king of RB. He was just going along with the joke. Okay. Yeah. Jay Holiday. Who, while he was on streaming live to try to say all this shit, was mistaken for the bellhop at the airport. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Bless his heart. And he didn't delete and start over. <laughs> he shoot. He was almost out of um out of um not minutes, but whatever you call it. Let me stop. Freaking flyer in my house. No, uh, data. Oh, oh, he was yeah. His data limit. <laughs> his phone's about to cut off. Um, <laughs> Keith Sweat, who nominated himself. <laughs> there you go, telling me now again. People have been talking about Keith Sweat case since 1987. <laughs> I like Keith Sweat songs, but I mean, can you know that? No. Uh, Chris Brown, who I think nominated himself. He might have a case. I mean, he could. Well, he would if he was able to sing, but you know. <laughs> you know how I feel about Chris Brown. The boy can't sing. He can dance his ass off. He can't sing a note. Mm-hmm. Never been able to. Um, Wendy Williams did a segment on this and she nominated Michael Jackson, who um, is the king of pop, to be clear. <laughs> I mean, maybe he could be king of both, but... Um, I don't know how Michael feels about. I don't know if I'm the king of R and B. Why would I take another? Like, why would I be a duke in my own kingdom? <laughs> I mean, did he I lie? Mean, I I can I am allowed to let somebody else have a role in my larger ensemble. All of you are my sons. <laughs> Instead, instead, Prince, Prince will come through like, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I'm nobody's son. <laughs> hmm. I'm surprised nobody mentioned. Well, I mean, Prince wouldn't be the king of R and B. He could be. He'd be the king of funk. Mm. Um, or eighties. Not while George Clinton's still alive. No. Nah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. no, Prince is a better musician. Musician to George Clinton. There, I said it. I don't think it's a controversial statement either, anyway. So. I don't think it is. I think it's true. <laughs> That's what you heard me. 
<laughs> now, George Clinton had vision. He had like goals and hopes and aspirations and dreams. He executed most of them. But Prince could play anything, could write anything, could sing anything. George Clinton could sing a little. Well, he could sing more. He could sing fairly well. But he wasn't Prince. <laughs> um. And it, what about? I mean, James Brown is the Godfather. But he's more than the king. Uh, I'm trying to think of anybody else. Luther Vandross? I mean, well, he said he's the king of R&B for today's generation, though. Yeah. I can so, see today's generation. I mean, I'll give him a little flag for that. But you know, as soon as he said the king of R&B... Niggas... Like, if, if Bobby <laughs> Brown got flack for saying it... <laughs> Bobby Brown was the king of R&B in 1988, 89, maybe 90. He was, he was. I'm not, I'm not denying that fact. Yeah. Bobby Brown was the man. Every little step I take, you will be there in more ways than one. Oh, damn. And then he had, what? What? You said it. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I think I'm in it a different way than you guys did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, but yeah. um, but no, I mean, he, you know, people were talking about him, and then you know, his background singer. Shout out to the um being sensitive. <laughs> Little did we know that um, what's that bo- uh, boy name? You want to talk about sensitive guy? Um, Ralph Trapp. Oh, did you just call new edition his backup singers? <laughs> no. He no. Did. Ralph actually completed, helped complete some of the songs on, on one of Bobby's albums. Or right, so Bobby Huntley told me that was a rumor. Okay, <laughs> it might be a rumor. <laughs> he may not be. Who who is the background singer for TLC? Uh, Deborah Killings. He he may not be Bobby Brown's Deborah Killings, but I I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, I remember Bobby got really, he got in my ass when I brought that up. He's like, oh, you one of them people, huh? <laughs> it sound, I was like, it sounded like Ralph. Because I, I agree with you. I was, I was like, well, it was the first part of every little step, like, okay, was the part? I can't sleep that night. I toss and turn, listening for the telephone. It sounded like, he sounded like Ralph. Ralph must have did the demo, at least. And Bobby's trying to do what Ralph did on the demo. Mm-hmm. I just shrugged over the radio. Y'all can't see it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, so from there, we do want to say rest in peace to Nancy Wilson, who was a pioneering, and po- not pioneering really, but a influential um, jazz artist who came to prominence in the 1960s and early 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know much about her and her career, but a lot of my music college's friends, um, they, they were really big fans of her. She was really influential. I remember Mary Wilson from The Supreme said that Nancy Wilson was her idol. And I could sort of see that in like the way that she sang lead stuff, like compared to Nancy Wilson. I went to go look at and listen to a couple of her things that she was indeed really awesome. I hope to learn more about her in the near future. So rest in peace to her. And also, for those of you out there who like narrative podcast that tell um, like dramatic podcasts um there's a new podcast called Sumeria the podcast that's um comes from Mark S Lucky who was on our show a couple of years ago um it is a 
great new sci-fi podcast that is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Basically, um, the plot is that the Earth has been destroyed for the crew of the Exodus. The planet Samaria may be their last hope. Mm. Definitely go ahead and check that out. I've actually been listening to it. It's pretty good. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. As for us, this show you can find on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Acast, TuneIn, and wherever else podcasts can be found. We are on all social media under the handle at SSN Podcast. We are at SSNPodcast.com. Please leave us five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. I will go ahead and be checking them over the holiday to see if we got anything new to read before we come back. Um, April, thanks so much for joining us. Where can people, where can people act? Where can people find you <laughs> online? Thanks for having me. I'm such fans. Uh, you can find me in the Facebook group, and I'm also on Twitter at Dr. A-P-R-Y-L-A, um, and you can find me there. All right. Awesome. As for me, you can find me on Twitter. I am at B-Touch. You can find Ali in the Facebook group. Say something nice, Facebook group. And you can find Ken. You what's your, um, where can they find you, Ken? At Chico's Kid. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Please have a happy Hanukkah, a happy Merry Christmas, a happy Kwanzaa, a happy Festivus, a happy holidays of any sort, and a happy New Year as well. Um, hopefully you get everything that you were um, hoping for from Santa or from, I don't know, the, no, I'm the elf on the shelf or whoever you get your Christmas presents from. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, the king of R&B. The king of R&B. <laughs> Jacquees going to leave you some um, some um, hair grease from his, um, his braids and your Christmas stock. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this has been the Safe the Nice Podcast. I'm Brandon. This is Ali. And I'm the Duke of R&B. <laughs> and this is April. <laughs> Duke, 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 Duke of Earl. Earl, Duke of Earl. Duke of Earl. <laughs> Duke, Duke, Duke of Earl. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see y'all next time. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>